Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This episode is brought to you in part by Hindsight. Hindsight is a new science fiction novel by author Matthew Keegan. Hindsight is a time travel adventure that Tim Tracks at the Nerd Room calls a brilliant tapestry of time travel and history that will leave you questioning everything impossible to put down. Find the links to Hindsight at talkstarwars.co.uk forward slash hindsight and order your copy today. This episode is also brought to you by the Talk Star Wars Patreon community. If you'd like to support what we do now and help us expand our programming, head to patreon.com forward slash talkstarwars and become a patron. In return, you'll get an exclusive daily podcast, a monthly newsletter, Facebook Live sessions, priority release podcasts, and monthly prize giveaways and a whole lot more. You'll also get access to our VIP-only Facebook group. This group contains a global community of Star Wars fans that have become dear friends. So head to patreon.com forward slash talkstarwars today and become a TSW patron. This is Talk Star Wars. The official podcast of talkstarwars.co.uk Hey everyone, welcome back to Talk Star Wars. I'm Mark. I'm Rob. And I'm Paul. Hey, full house, everybody. We're all back. And that Sorry. feels good. Sorry. No, no, please please apologise to my fan. <laughs> you did have one. And that was yeah. that, that was a YouTube comment, wasn't it? I've forgotten yeah. it. I, I secretly think it was you writing a comment. Honest to God, no. I wouldn't call myself Leah. I, I initially thought it was Steve, and then I realised he, he can't write. Oh, yeah, it was Leah. See, look how dedicated you are to your fan. Mm. Love you, Leah. How are we doing, champs? Everyone all right? Yeah, good. Absolutely above average. Oh, above ah, average this week. you out. Yeah. Yeah, give me an hour. I can't fill out my poor bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> that's, somebody's, that's somebody's evening ruin. It, it was the drink-along special. Quit, he's oh, going to no, say it. He's going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard Corey pop a couple of beers open. And then I'm gonna have to, yeah, in Corey's spirit, I'm going to loophole it and say that he did use all the words. Just he just didn't. Different just order. added in some extra ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. That's good. All right, that's this is good. Uh, it's nice to have you both back at the uh, at the mic for this episode one hundred and seven, which we had no clever title for. So it's just give me nah, give, give me till the end of the show. No worries. All, All right, right. Cool. okay. You you keep working at it. Sounds good. All right. Before we get started, let's say some thank you, shall we? I want to say thank you to Omar Juarez, Kyle Markham, and Lizzie Swanson for subscribing to the YouTube channel in the past uh, week or so. so thank you for joining us over there everybody 
Um, you may not like what I'm about to say. And uh, also thank you to uh, Autobahn Kenobi and Art Vesuvi for leaving comments on the videos. I want to ask a question of the people that listen to the podcast on YouTube. Um, I'd like, I'd kind of like to get some feedback on why you choose YouTube as the platform to consume the show because I'm giving some serious consideration to moving away from the YouTube platform. Now it doesn't mean that we won't be putting stuff onto YouTube, but maybe not the full podcast because YouTube aren't really treating us very well. And it pains me to say that we keep getting Mm. strikes on the channel and the, and the channels being demonetized and videos are being demonetized. Well, they're not, they're monetizing the videos, but none of Mm -hmm. it's coming to us. Um, right. And I did see one of the higher-ups at YouTube interviewed by Casey Neistat on his channel earlier this week, and a lot of it sounds yeah. like the channel is no longer being – it's no longer favouring startups. It's no longer favouring us. No. It's, it's more about the heavy hitters like Marques Brownlee and um, and Casey Neistat himself yeah. who are going to benefit from the platform. And if it's going to make it difficult for us to grow, I'm thinking maybe mm-hmm. we don't use it as frequently as we have been. But what I yeah. should say is um, we launched a new Commonwealth site this week. The Star Wars Commonwealth um, have a new home, starwarscommonwealth.com. Every show on the network has a page and it has a player embedded. So if you're going to YouTube and watching a video, you could go to starwarscommonwealth.com and click play on the Talk Star Wars page and the latest episode is always there. So I just want before I decide, I mean, if you guys want us to st- stick with the YouTube platform, I'll stay there. But if you are happy to follow us across the StarWarsCommonwealth.com and consume the show there every week, then great. We can move away from YouTube. They'll so, also get a nice broad spectrum of other stuff, right? They will. They'll get exposed true. to all the, other, all the other shows. We added a new show last week. We're hoping to add more in the near future. And there's lots of exciting stuff coming. So, yeah, you'll get everything when you're there, the written articles as well as the audio. So mm. it might it might be a benefit for everybody to head that direction. Um, but I'd like to get some... I know what it's like to... I consume a lot of stuff through YouTube. I know it's like to have a home base where you just go and then there's all your entertainment in one place. That's fantastic. If that's what you're doing and you're including us in your rotation, then brilliant. I'm not going to I'm not gonna pull the plug on it if that's the way you're using it. But if you're happy to come to Star Wars Com- Commonwealth and do it there, then double thumbs up. Um but we'll see. I, I want your feedback. I want your input. Let me know what's happening um, and how you feel about the move because YouTube doesn't seem like a great place to go for um, for creators at the moment, I'll be perfectly honest, unless you're mm. making them hundreds of thousands of pounds in advertising. We just get mm. punished. You know what it's like, Rob. Your channel was demonetized as well, right? Yeah, multiple times over. <laughs> I mean, the, the <laughs> but that was last time. Million, last time it was goalpost. It's not yeah, like, well. you know, I'm not looking to make money, but when, we put, when we're putting content on that platform and it's being monetized for somebody else, I think that's unfair. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. I, say, I think I, I'm, I have my issues with the way YouTube handle their stuff. Um, but like I say, it's, it's, it's been a problem for me for some time, so it's not a, you know, a significant change recently. No, it's just, um, it's just things like the appeals process. If they make yeah. a decision, like I always get the little gold money tag the little yellow money tag on every video this isn't suitable for most advertisers well what are you basing that on and it says request a review you have to have a thousand subscribers or something like four thousand hours listened before they'll even take you seriously and that yeah well that's the that's the monetization criteria now as well you know 
it's not it's not nurturing new content creators it's not helping them build an audience it's not helping them it's not encouraging them to continue mm. using the platform yeah and i'd like to sort of send a message even though it may come across as a petulant one it may not even make a dent but i'd like to send a message and say if if that's the situation i'm going to move we'll move our content to our own platform and it's all there yeah. at starwarscommonwealth.com and you don't even have to look for the player. It's sat right there on the Talk Star Wars page, right at the top of the page. Just click play, latest episode. Yeah. So if people are happy to do that, you all want to move across there with us, we'll do that. If you want us to stay put, we'll stay put. I'm not well, either way, it'd be, nice to know, it'd be nice to know either way uh, what people are listening for, because if there is something we can do, maybe not with Star Wars Commonwealth, but just in general, maybe there's a way around the problem, then we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're looking for suggestions, we're looking for solutions, and we're looking for a reason why um, you you come to us on YouTube. What what is attractive mm. about that platform? I'd be very interested to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I won't pull the plug if people don't want us to. If they want us to stay put, then we'll stay put. All right, let's move on uh, very very quickly. Let's touch on the reviews. We I don't think we've had any new reviews. Have we wrong? This we week? have not. I haven't checked. No, anything. they've been they've been Commonwealth ones, but they haven't. They haven't come to us. Okay, that's cool. Well, um, you can take advantage of our Ron Burgundy policy, which means whatever you write in a five-star review, we will read verbatim as long as it's clean. So if you wanted to promote something like your own podcast or a blog, that's where to do it. Um, so, yeah, just go head to Apple Podcast, five stars, and we will read whatever you write um, so you can have a bit of fun with that. Um, all right, gents, we got a couple of comments on our recent YouTube uploads because we're sticking in the YouTube ecosystem for the time being. Would someone like to take Autobahn Kenobi's comment? I can do it. Or yeah, Paul. Uh, yeah. uh, okay. Well, to you. All right. Um, so Autobahn Kenobi writes, Mark's whole response at one twelve fifty onwards about Luke should be transcribed and put in an essay. Back when I was still arguing in defense of The Last Jedi, I gave up for my own sanity. These were the same points I was trying to make with people who hated Luke in The Last Jedi. A lot of this stuff is right there in the dialogue of The Last Jedi and sitting in plain sight in the prequels for all to see. Just very well said, Mark. Thank you very much. That's very kind. Um, it's, yeah, the, the, the whole defense of Luke thing, um, it was too easy to take shots at Luke, I think, in The Last Jedi and a lot of people made sport out of it. So, yeah, I just spoke about the way I felt at the time that Luke was... Um, you know, it, he he wasn't being a coward. He was uh, hiding himself away for the safety of others. That, you know, that it was that whole conversation, mm -hmm. I believe. So, yeah. Thank you, Autobahn Kenobi. I, I appreciate the support. Um, yeah, nice to know that something I said made sense. <laughs> Even if it was just to one person. <laughs> That's the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also got a, a comment from Aunt Vesuvi again this week. Who's, who's always so supportive? Thank you so much, Vesuvi. Paul, would you like to? Yeah. Hi, Auntie Vesuvi. Right. Many thanks to both Mark and Rob. Open brackets and Paul in his absence. Thank you very much for not forgetting me. You're a star. For another fine presentation. You're welcome. Uh, the part of my truncated comment that was that was lost referred to the Ranger Solo title variant in China. It reads as follows. Perhaps the word ranger in China simply refers to the informal someone who roves as opposed to the more official patroller connotation. Question mark. Yeah. We've talked about this very briefly. Yes. Because yeah. uh, the you gave us information that China were releasing under that title about three weeks ago, if I recall. That's right. Yeah. Um, and didn't I throw out then that ranger was 
something along the lines one who rows or one I think it was theirs is more of a sort of a vagabond gunslinging kind of situation if I recall I can't remember the I picked up on a that sounds about right on a context somewhere that said yeah 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 I think there might be something deeper to this though I said cowboy yeah you did and it, we were saying uh, how colloquial some of these things are aren't they and they may, they mm. may not translate because sometimes if you translate it and you take it verbatim it doesn't make a lot of sense mm. but this um, this movie includes a whole um, style of stormtrooper called the range trooper and I'm certainly starting to get the impression that Han spends some time in the Empire at the start of this movie and I wonder whether he is a range trooper and we got an action figure reveal this week. I don't know if you guys saw it, did you? The um, the, no. rain, the range stormtrooper. I'm just going to drop it into chat so you can have a look. It's really cool, and it's um, I think it's something to do with the um, with the train that we see in the trailer for Solo. Okay, you know the train, the conveyor. It goes on the top and the bottom of the train tracks, and Solo and Chewie are robbing it. We yeah. see we see some of that in the in the trailer. He looks very seventies kitsch, doesn't he? It's cut, this this stormtrooper is so cool. He's wearing like a big white fur coat, and he's wearing what looks like mech boots. Okay. And this is a range trooper. Now, in the Facebook Live this scene this evening, we were looking at this image. We were kicking around some ideas. I think the mech boots might be magnetized so that this stormtrooper can <clears throat> navigate the top and possibly even the underside of the train as it moves around the mountain range and Matt Keegan said do you think this stormtrooper is called a range trooper because it's on the train as it passes through the mountain range of whatever planet we're on and that kind of makes a lot of sense ah okay so we got we know that there's a uh, a category of stormtrooper I don't know if I love him or loathe him to be honest that's how Marmite he is yeah, but I I looked at it at first and I thought, what is with the pimp jacket? And then I and then I fell in love with it almost immediately. And now I just it is pretty funky. I'm absolutely going for one of these figures. Yes, yeah, so Rob um, Matt Keegan sort of suggested that this might be the range trooper because he's on the train as it goes through the mountain ranges. I think. Okay. Like so I'm wondering if Solo might have been a range trooper when he right. was because uh, I think that the opening of this film is going to spend some time on Minban. And okay. Beckett and Solo, I think, will be members of the Empire, like Imperial soldiers, on that planet. What are nicknamed okay. Mud Troopers? Right. Um, but you know, we've got a little way before we get more information on that subject. Yeah, indeed. I'm not sure about the. Um, uh, as I recall, if it, based on the legends, it's I think Minban's sort of a swamp world. That's right. But yeah. uh, I don't know if they've given any detail about it in sort of new canon. No, I'm getting the, uh, uh, from what I'm hearing, yes, it's going to be a swampy environment on that planet. It's going to be muddy. There, there was an image in the EW coverage that mm-hmm. showed Minban and showed what it, what was being referred to as mud troopers and a 2-1-B medical droid with them. And I think that's Han and Beckett and possibly even Val, Tandy Newton's character. And I think that in okay. the cold open of the movie, they're going to go AWOL and leave the Empire. That's my. That's an idea that I've got about the start of this movie. You know, the, the cold open, the Lemu sequence for this movie. Mm-hmm. For this movie, um, but yeah, I think there's more to the Ranger Solo title, and it makes me think that he might be uh, that he might have been a range trooper when he was in the uh, Empire. Well, it's, uh, 
you guys have obviously done a, a large trailer breakdown, yes? Uh, we did that yes. last week, yeah. Right, okay. Right, sorry about that. Um, That's all right. I did find it interesting in the trailer. I like the idea of Han. I'm still torn on the trailer, but, some, but I'm not going to have that discussion tonight. I'm still quite torn on it. But I, the idea of Han sort of queuing up as a conscript type <laughs> saying I want to be a pilot, et cetera, et cetera, but with somebody of what appears to be a, um, a repu- no, sorry, an imperial yeah. background, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. And yeah. I really had trouble latching onto that. Really had trouble latching onto that. But that's what Luke was doing, right? In. Uh... A New Hope. That was, was the, good. Yeah, that he was, was the going academy. to join the academy. Yeah, but yeah. Luke is not Han. <laughs> no, that's true, but this is what the Han guys did. The permanent, Han was the permanent birdie to that kind of situation, wasn't he? Yeah, we, but this... That's, the, that's how we felt when we watched uh, Star Wars. This will be young Han. Now, you remember that way back in the day when this film was first announced, they said it's going to um, start when he's 18, end when he's 26, I think. Is that that period? That's a long oh, Eight, yeah, eight, eight, between eight, <laughs> eighteen and twenty-four, time. I think six years. So eighteen and twenty-four. Okay. Um, so that little kid with the funny hat that says, "I want to be the best pilot in the galaxy," I think that's eighteen-year-old um, Han Solo signing up uh, with the Imperial was, Flight Academy. To be honest, they were probably the only jobs around. I think the Imperials probably held the most of the employment strings yeah. in the galaxy at the time. And so. that's why Luke was looking to join. And if you look at um, what we know about Episode Four, Biggs had done that. He'd gone to the academy, learned yeah. to fly, then made the connections with the Rebellion, and he was going to jump. Yeah, that's um, what Wedge did as well, right? Yeah, so they, in, uh, they, Rebels. they jump ship, don't they, and join the Rebellion. So that's that's the idea, is you go to them. Yeah. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Splitters. You go to the Empire, learn your learn your craft, and then you use it against the Empire, which I think is really cool. And to think that Han might be doing the same thing, I think, is interesting. And also, I like the idea that he aims as a pilot and misses and ends up in the mud, literally on Mimban in a trench somewhere as a soldier alongside Beckett. And how demoralised will he feel when he wanted to be a pilot, the best in the galaxy, and he ends up a mud trooper on a swampy mm. backwater planet? Yeah, I like that. So I think I do think there's more to this Ranger solo title. I just haven't pieced all the pieces together yet. Mm. All right. Thank you, Vesuvi and Autobahn Kenobi, for your comments. Thank you so much. And let me know, please. You're the, you're easily the most engaged people on the platform on YouTube. Let me know what you think about us <coughs> making a move away from it. And if you decide that that's not the right move for us, we'll stay where we are. But I would like to know if you'd be willing to come across to the Commonwealth and uh, and consume the show there. That would be great. Mm. All right, let's go to listener comms. So you can send your questions and comments to us via Twitter and Facebook, or you can send us an email 
or as many people have done this week, you send us an MP3 as an attachment. We'll use that as a voicemail. Fire all that stuff to talkstarwarsinfo at gmail.com. We will include it in our show. Now, last week, Paul, we made an announcement that a new show has joined the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, Tatooine Sons. It's uh, an incredible show where a, a wonderful father does parenting right and introduces his young sons to Star Wars. And the three of them have fantastic <laughs> conversations. It's brilliant. These boys are um, Samuel 16, I believe, and Nate is 12. So you get these different perspectives on the saga from these three wonderful hosts. And uh, and David sent, David sent us in a voicemail this week yeah. um, about the tone of Star Wars. So this is what David had to say. Hey guys, over there at uh, Talk Star Wars, this is David with Tatooine Sons. Just first want to thank you guys for the shout out that you gave us on your uh, episode that came out on Sunday. We are really excited to be a part of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Um, we think that uh, some of the best podcasts uh, in the galaxy, and so thank you guys for letting us be a part of that. I wanted to comment on something you guys talked about on a show a few days before. I guess it was about a week ago that I heard this. You guys were talking about the possibility of a Star Wars movie or TV series coming out that would be rated MA or for a mature audience. And you were talking about some of the uh, pluses and minuses of that and the pitfalls of it. Um, as I listened to you guys share about it, I couldn't help but think about uh, myself and uh, Samuel and Nathan and our experience with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, when the Marvel movies started coming out, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, all of that, we were all in for the MCU and we wanted to consume as much of it as possible. But then as things have shifted when it comes to Netflix and the streaming services, uh, we just frankly can't watch um, you know, dead, uh, excuse me, daredevil or Jessica Jones or, or those, those shows. We just won't watch them because the content is just not appropriate for a 12 year old, uh, or even a 16 year old at this point because of, you know, the choices that we make as far as parenting goes. And so what that's done is that has caused us to lose interest to an extent in the MCU because we feel like we can't keep up with everything that's going on. And I know that the Netflix series aren't directly connecting into what's going on with the MCU and the movies, but, uh, it's sort of lost its luster as a result. So I'm hoping that the that Disney and Lucasfilm understands that as they start going forward with these different streaming service shows, um, the the uh, Game of Thrones producers coming out with a series of movies. I'm hoping that we don't have a Game of Thrones type scenario. Um, we've never watched Game of Thrones. We won't watch Game of Thrones because it's just not appropriate for for uh, you know children. And we do things together. So. Um, that's my thoughts on it. I hope you guys um, have a great day. Thanks again for uh, letting us be a part of the the uh, Commonwealth Podcast Network. It's awesome. Yeah, well, the the, the pleasure is all ours, David. You guys are doing yeah, the, the Lord's work over there. It's a fantastic show. Um, charming hosts, really insightful and very enjoyable. Um, so what do you think about David's somewhat unique perspective? Or it, it's present, presented in a way we haven't really seen before. Paul, you can probably speak to this. You're, you're a dad. <clears throat> Um, about Star Wars sort of maintaining the tone that we're familiar with and not getting too dark? It's tricky. It's really tricky. Um, I'll, I'll speak from a personal perspective first. Is um, I, I mean, I haven't done a lot of Netflix in a long time. When I saw things like Daredevil, 
for the first time. I was obviously quite excited that it was a bit more no holds barred and it was going in a more mature direction and so on and so forth. And I was I kind of got latched on with that perspective, if you like. But um, you soon wear a little thin of that perspective as well. I don't know. Well, I did. Um, I didn't care for so much of the heavy violence and some of the more gratuitous elements that were put to it. I was more interested in story. And to be honest, I think with uh, younger people today, I, I don't know as young as maybe 8, 10, 11, 12 and stuff, but younger people can handle more mature, I think, storylines than certainly I could back when I was 8, 9, 10, 11 and 12 and so on. So I do feel a sense of um, an enormous sense of understanding when there is a removal of something that you were previously enjoying or there is a gap in a universal element that you're enjoying because certain elements are for a more mature audience only. Mm. And if that more, more mature audience is based mostly on more of a gratuitous violent situation or uh, adult content because of language or maybe nudity and so on and so forth, uh, in real terms, it's probably, it could be seen as unnecessary, I think. But um from you know from the audience of what you might consider miss you know mr and mrs i would say this but you know that mr and mrs smith is an average fanboy stroke fan girl mm. they are normally because they're growing up along that arc they're going to appreciate it to some degree or to an enormous degree sort of thing yeah uh, but then again like as a dad um <clears throat> my girl i've only got i've got one 12 year old daughter who's going on 15 16 some days and <laughs> eight and nine other days sort of thing um Generally, the interest is quite minimal sort of thing. But if the interest was in, I wouldn't want it diluted. So from my perspective, That's I like the idea of a, a natural family curve being applied to the to the whole universal subject, to be completely honest. Yeah. That's the best way I can word it. Yeah, that's a good, it's a good position. It's very clear. Um, and I think I'm with you, but Rob, I'm really interested to get your point of view on this. As a younger, okay. as a young, the youngest member of the of the team. Um, Rob's forty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> I just have this youthful well. voice. There's a portrait of me. He in just the attic looks nineteen. Looks, yeah. There's a portrait of me in the attic that looks like crap. Dorian um, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a t-shirt, Mark. Yeah, um, I'm on it. Just, just saying. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I, I'm still of the opinion that I think if you're if you stick to your, if you're gonna you know be so bold as to kind of have george acknowledge the the un, the unspoken but obvious truth which is that star wars is made for 12 year olds all right yeah so he went on stage at celebration and said just that and yeah. everybody was you know uh, i mean i don't understand why that why a few people a few people were sort of like yeah, well, yeah of course and then some people were up in arms and i don't really understand that because it's always been something uh, that I've understood to be the case. You know, it's not built for me directly. Um, and that becomes kind of more and more apparent over time um, as they make sort of story decisions and stuff and change things around. I have made, you know, it's been made clear that it's not primarily aimed at me. As long as they're not turning around and flat out making it clear that I'm not welcome, I will continue to take interest in the stuff that interests me. But, I don't know, it's a tough road to, you know, it's, it's a tough one because the, 
the hardcore fans are as belligerent as they are numerous. <laughs> um, actually, no, it's the inverse. They're very, very belligerent and not, and actually are quite a vocal minority. So the hardcore fans, it's tricky because you've got this um, almost megaphone effect of the web where people are given this kind of not overinflated sense of their own self-importance, but it's it's pretty clear that you know a few people, and I do think it is a few people to be clear, um, are under the impression. Oh, okay. Speed Speed bike. Bike. <laughs> um, a few people seem to be under the impression that their opinion counts for way more because they're online. And, you know, I say this with tongue kind of firmly in cheek and understanding that I'm yeah, in some ways I'm one of those people. <laughs> and that's fine. So, you know, I'm, but I'm under no illusion that I have this, we have this platform, but I'm under no illusion that we're, you know, the, the best in the, the biggest in the biggest dog in the yard or anything like that. Yeah, so I'm not going to kind of shapers, are we? We're not. No, well, we can be, but I think we. No, we but we're healthy a, because we argue a lot as well, based on that idea. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. Don't be wrong. Bring it. <laughs> you like? <laughs> uh, what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> you were saying about people um, having a having a platform online. No, wasn't. And we're not. Yeah, they have <laughs> you know, we, so we have, have this a, platform. Yeah, yet. we have this platform, yeah. but we're uh, we're by no means, you know, great heaven and earth movers in terms of the the shape of public opinion. I wish it were the case. <laughs> I think we'd have a lot better. You know, there'd probably be a lot better discussion in fandom about the Last Jedi. Are we cause... reflective of. We're not pushers of. Yeah, quite quite the case. But I think also we. We ha- we make the most of our platform, which is to say, we have the long form, we have the 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 venue for a long form discussion if we so choose, and we and we use it kind of appropriately. Whereas a lot of people try and have these arguments on Twitter, they ain't gonna win. Yeah. It's just it's not, it's not happening. Even with the uh, doubled doubled character count, yeah. Even then, you know, you just people still, you know, at this point now, when you read somebody who just writes back "f you," you know that they had an opportunity to write. Um, up to 278 more characters and chose not to. And yeah. in a way, that's sadder, you know? Um, but I do, you know, I, it's tricky, I think. I don't envy Lucasfilm in that regard because they have to kind of choose between annoying the people who are going to complain the the strongest or um, alienate the audience that's going to keep them going the longest. That's the best way to describe it, I think. Yeah, it is a you know. tightrope walk, isn't it? Yes. Like I, say, I don't envy them for that. And if you, if you, sorry, Rob. That's all right. I don't. I didn't mean to cut you off. You, you continue. No, no, I, I, I didn't really. I didn't know what was where I was going next. So okay. you go ahead. Oh well, I was just, I was just going to say, you know, when I, I appreciate David's perspective here, and I th- it's a position I can't really comment to because the youngest member of my household is a dog. And she only likes the prequels, but the in terms of families, I don't want to see the audience deliberately fractured into no. two separate audiences: like the the family who can only consume Star Wars Rebels and the OT, and mm. and then the family that can accommodate some of the other films. Because we've gradually seen the rating of these movies raise up until the yes. average is a twelve A. And they true. used to be a U. When I was a kid, they were a U. This is true. So I'm not sure what the um, I'm not sure what's gradually brought that up. It's maybe it's the fantasy violence aspect 
of it. I'm not sure. I understand Revenge of the Sith because that goes to some really dark and quite graphic places. Yes. But with the new movies, I'm not so sure why we're being hit with a higher rating. And I don't really want to see that become a trend. And I, and I don't yeah. want to see a mature Game of Thrones or Punisher-esque version of Star Wars anywhere. I don't, I don't want to see it. No, indeed, it's it's tricky because I, I think the best the best case scenario I think is a situation where people can pick and choose without being kind of herded off and kind of abandoned. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a tricky one to. It's a it's, like you said, you described it very well as a tightrope walk. I think it's an incredibly hard balancing act to to balance where you want to take things, where creators want to take things. Yeah. And um, where the audience wants to take things, because you know, believe, I mean, we all know this because we've seen plenty of evidence of this. If you make a misstep, the audience is going to let you know what they think, okay. especially nowadays. You know, it's it's just the reality. It's just reality, and that's fine, and it's a good thing because you end up with, you know, you can never make the argument that Star Wars fans are very are too subtle and don't let you know what they want. No. They make it abundantly clear, and that's good. And let's say, for creators, that's probably kind of a blessing in disguise because even though it might seem like, oh, man, I can't do anything to please them, it's like, but at least you have an idea of where you yeah, might go. A, there's a barometer present now, isn't there? So people yeah. can really take the temperature in the room uh, almost in real time as an episode mm. of a TV show airs or in the opening weeks of a movie, they'll know what they need to do to course correct. And that's the kind of thing that I'm trying to avoid, really, I think. I don't want okay. so I don't want Lucasfilm to look at Rogue One and think, all right, that's the story we wanted to tell, but it was bleak. And so yeah. uh, uh, maybe the box office was lower because of it. Maybe fan reaction was a little less than positive because of the bleak nature of the story. Um, so we'll adjust the course next time. I just want them to be able to tell the stories they want to tell. And if you set out... If if it says if you say like Star Wars belongs in that U area should be a universal experience, right? So tell stories in there, and do whatever mm -hmm. you want with the stories. Go as bleak as you can within there, and yeah. also go as light as you can. Appeal to everybody, and as long as you tell a good story, I think people will be accepting of that. Mm. And some of the some of the confusion I think, and this is just me thinking off the top of my head, some of the confusion I think is that people are mistaking. What's been right now? This isn't. I'm not taking a position in this. Isn't necessarily okay. my opinion, but take Phantom Menace. People are saying it's poor because it's childish. When you think when right. you consider Jar Jar, okay. those two things are very separate entities. It might be pure. It might be poor. But if that story, if the storytelling was better, and like I say, this mm. isn't my position. If the storytelling okay. of Phantom Menace was better. And Jar Jar was a better created, a better constructed character. The right. childish nature argument might go away. Yeah, they might not adjust the tone of that film in any way, shape, or form. Just fine tune mm. that character of Jar Jar a little bit. The poor nature of the film goes away. The complaints about it being poor because it's childish go away. I think they're two separate things, but they're bleeding into each other. But people right. are, are assuming that film is poor because it's aimed at a younger audience. I see. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, um, it's, so what you're saying is that the they're, they're not relevant to each other in the grand scheme, and it's I actually just... You could you could you could happily tell a good story within that range that just yes. didn't happen to in that instance. Yeah, because George did. He told yeah. the Empire Strikes Back, and that was in that range. It was, yeah, that's true. It, there were some complex and dark moments in that film, but there were also some extraordinarily light-hearted moments, mm. like um, Yoda and certain aspects of three PO's character on Cloud City. There was some great stuff that happened in that movie, but it was yeah. well within. It was locked inside that U framework. And because mm-hmm. it was, you know, that's that's not aimed, like you said, Rob, George has already stated it was aimed at a 12-year-old boy. So that yeah. he made that film for the same audience he made The Phantom Menace for, but he made that film better than he made The Phantom Menace. And so people are thinking, why is this worse? It's because of this childish character, and therefore yeah. it's being aimed at a younger audience, so it's poor. We need Game of Thrones levels of gratuity in order to right. make this feel better. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's like the um, there's. Uh, I know neither of you guys are fans, but there's a kind of similar argument in professional wrestling about um, the PG um, era when WWE have gone like family friendly and you know they don't have as much. Um, yeah, you know, they used to be quite sort of gratuitous, kind of not so much nudity, but kind of a lot of salacious kind of story arcs and yeah. a lot more of the kind of teasing of that stuff and they've gone away from that stuff over the years and it's you know everybody's complaining that it's a stale product and stuff like that but actually there's you know it's it's the fact what seems to be happening i think and i understand what you're saying about sort of no not taking sides i'll be careful how i word this um I, there's there seems to be this sense i i get this impression at least that there's a certain demographic of fans that refuse to accept that it stopped being made for them at a point hmm. and just insist that it's it should be for them forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you might be right. I th- Maybe. Yeah. Oh, no, I hope not. No doubt there is. Yeah, yes. mm. it's, it's just that sort of, it's like arrested development almost. It's like, oh, you know, I, I'm, it's a, almost a refusal to accept that childhood is over. Yeah, and so they kind of cling on to all these properties that they loved as kids, and that's why they get excited about you know uh, a modern day reboot of something they loved as a kid, and that's why they that's why people want you know were excited. I don't know how long for about the Power Rangers uh, remake movie. Oh, it was at least twenty minutes, you know, twenty five. Yeah, and I mean mm. to be fair, I, you know I'm not dissing it deliberately. I've heard that I've actually heard it's quite enjoyable, and I'm sure it probably is. But you know it's that. I think there's an element of people's personalities now that certainly within a certain age range. And I think probably it's my age range, although I'd, I'd like to think no. I don't necessarily fit into this, but at the same time, I'm sure somebody could point out very easily that there's some, there's some instance where it's true. So 
I'm, I'm going to be wary of saying too much about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's certainly my age range, though, Rob. And I think what you're, I think there's a, you're right. There's there's almost certainly an element of arrested development there, and people just think, I want this made for me. Uh, I want to yeah. feel like a child, but I also mm-hmm. want it to appeal to my more mature tastes as well. Rather than rather yeah. than think you can have a little from column A and a little from column B, so you can get your Star Wars and enjoy it like we like we have done with some of the prequels and some of the sequels you know that there's stuff there to to love and then go somewhere mm-hmm. else and have your mature taste catered for like blade runner 2049 for example where you can go and get intelligent um, mature science fiction stories you can have both they don't have yeah, to be in sure. the same bowl right and yeah but that, sure. what you were talking about that that appeal i think that's a, a all right a little bit of uh, arrested development but the big thing the big ticket here is nostalgia people mm. love to feel the way they felt when they were a kid that's why i'm looking at like a dozen plus action figures on my shelf from the 40th anniversary range because these six inch versions of those figures i had when i was a kid are the same scale as they were to me as a little boy now as an adult and they've okay. got the they've got the card backs and when i buy those things I look at it and I think, oh my God, this is exactly the experience from when I was a kid. And it's a little mm. rush of nostalgia. It's a little yeah. hit of nostalgia. Um, yeah. So that you can get that from Star Wars. And mm. I guess a, 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 a better way of putting the argument I made earlier is you still watch Empire Strikes Back. All of us watch Empire Strikes mm. Back and get as much out of that film now as we did when we were a kid. And that is yeah. that film hasn't been retooled to make it more appealing to an older audience it's the same film yeah so it's just it works they just the filmmakers just need to make tell stories of that caliber again and they mm. can do it within that, those restrictions of the certificate without it being too dumb for adults and without mm-hmm. it being too dark for children it can yeah. be done it's just very very difficult to do mm. yeah for sure but yeah there, well there you go i think that's um I think that's a reasonably good position we've taken on David's question. Yeah, I very I agree. I very much appreciate him airing that view because it's we this is going to be a theme of tonight's show this uh, this darker tone and we're going to get all sorts of um positions curses. all oh. sorts of curses, all sorts of <laughs> positions on the subject. So yeah, thank you David and uh like, and like a Star Wars sutra you it is. I, I, I thought you were going to say Star Wars soup, but then you went the 12A version. Soup would have been you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Rob, would you like to take Stephen's um, email this week? Yeah, by all means. So this is from Stephen, um, who might, many might know as Skuldron over at Roku Depot, who's very kind to us uh, friend, in his yep. weekly podcast review segment. Um, we're very grateful for that. Uh, so Stephen writes, just wanted to chime in on something I've been hearing a lot of people discussing lately on the heels of the Game of Thrones Star Wars news. People have brought up the idea of too much Star Wars, as in there being too many Star Wars movies coming out. People are talking about Star Wars not feeling special anymore with movies coming out every year. And of course, there's a comparison to Marvel. Right now, we're getting one Star Wars movie a year. On the other hand, Marvel's currently putting out three movies a year, which only started in 2017. Before then, they were putting out two movies a year. Back in the day, there used to be a three-year gap between Star Wars films. Some people appear to be nostalgic of that waiting period. And there's no doubt that the 10-plus year gap between trilogies builds anticipation for the films and always results in a big box office draw when it returns. But as Star Wars fans, we have to ask ourselves, do we really want to see those long wait times return? Do we really want three years between every film and a 10-year gap between trilogies? 
The alternative at the moment is a two-year gap between the trilogy movies and standalone movie every other year, which means a new Star Wars movie every year. Even if they step away from that model to start doing two separate trilogies, say Ryan Johnson's new trilogy and the Game of Thrones guys series, we would still most likely see an alternation between the two. So fans would still have that two-year gap of anticipation for each story. There would just be a shorter gap for your next Star Wars fix. Personally, I love getting a Star Wars movie every year. Is there less anticipation and build-up? Yes. But it's not really less special. It's just a different kind of special. I grew up on during the dark times, as they called them. The Star Wars was just three movies on VHS tape for me that I could plug in and watch whenever I wanted, and that was quite often. Being able to get more new Star Wars is not a bad thing in my eyes. Well, that ramble went on longer than I expected. Feel free to trim it if you want to use some of it for the show. Regards, Stephen, Roku Depot. Stephen, you must have heard by now that I am an epic, epic reader. Um, all the words, even the big ones. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, thankfully I'm better with other people's words than with my own because that was <laughs> I went nowhere at the end there. No, that, that was that was well read, Rob. And um, thank you, Stephen. Yeah, we we'll never edit down an email. So and, and unless of course somebody just copies and pastes a phone book, and then we might have to do something. Um, mm. But yeah, no, we'll always give your position time, sir. Should we look at this breakdown? Then are we risking too much Star Wars? Should we take this one point at a time. Yeah, go go for it. How much is too much? That's a totally subjective <laughs> situation, isn't mm-hmm. it? Let's be honest. How much would be um, too much for you? Uh, for me personally, yeah, there wouldn't there wouldn't be a too much. I would make an option to go and watch a film or not. It comes down to that. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got various. We, we rewinding back to what the previous call was about. We've got things on Netflix. Um, you've got various other streaming services that are showing an episode a week, which is sometimes an hour long. Yeah. yeah. Well, if a Star Wars movie on average is an hour and a half long, then theoretically there's nothing to stop you doing one of those a week. But we don't get one a week. But if you did get one a week, would you still turn it on? Probably. So you can't really have a flooding comment if you would have quite happily sit down and watch. If there was um, a Star Wars. See season available now. Mm. Everybody be flocking to watch it. I haven't got Netflix, but but from the point of view, if if you could keep the quality up to what they are expecting, everybody be watching it. So I don't believe that. I mean, the idea we 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 dealt with a three year gap because we had to. We deal with a one year gap because we have to. If you could deal with a one week gap, you'd deal with that as well. I really believe that seriously. Otherwise, yeah. the otherwise the Walking Dead's and the Jessica Joneses and all the other weeklies and so on wouldn't exist. Plus, let's be honest. I mean, at the moment we're going through a fashion where binge viewing is very, very, very common. Uh, I myself have only just finished three seasons, literally back to back, doing one a.m., two a.m. sessions, watching Alrighty. a particular. Yeah, very unusual for me, but I got hooked. I got sunk to this uh, season. I'm not going to talk about it right now. Go into it, but I got completely hooked on this series to the point where I was doing binge viewing and i loved it and if i could see a star wars type season that offered me the same kind of entertainment and it required binge viewing i'd do it too so i don't believe there's too much or too little of anything well you'd say there's too little if you really really love something you can't get overkill if you love the subject matter it's as simple as that okay okay interesting two two a year would be too many for me and that's a far less um nuanced and interesting answer than Paul's but <laughs> to a year. I find it interesting that you'd say that because you're happy to talk about it on a very on a weekly basis but you wouldn't want to view something new yeah well it's more I mean you know it's more it's tricky enough I mean I could send you a picture of my calendar for February that's just you know it, it's full I'll say that um and 
you know, I've been able, we were able to go to the cinema yesterday for the first time since Wonder Woman. Well, it's been last, a while. Jedi, last Jedi for the meeting. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking in terms of a new film that we hadn't seen before. Um, would have been, oh yeah, Last Jedi, but Midnight. Um, if you exclude Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, Always one, with the loopholes. Wind, Wind River would have been the last one, which I think was sort of late summer, early autumn, maybe. Yeah. In, in any case, we don't get to the cinema fantastically often. Star Wars is pretty much the only exception. But the reason it's the exception is because there's one a year. So it's it's an event. And it's a significant event. And also the Christmas release, I've always... I've always really loved the christmas release period mm, me too um, and i'm actually and i'm actually really disappointed that it's not um i understand why they well i have th- thoughts on why they're doing it and i'm i understand them and you know assuming they're correct but um what i'm, I'm finding is that one is fine one is uh one a year is good and that like i said i can make a big thing out of that i can't justify you know every couple of months or like two two a year i mean it might be do it might be doable but it would be a lot more baffing about you'd risk missing stuff wouldn't you like and yeah i've missed the last couple of marvel movies at the cinema oh yeah same i think the last one I, i saw ragnarok but before that oh man maybe i did civil war i'm not sure now yeah, I missed I missed Doctor Strange and I missed Ragnarok. Yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't get yeah. to see that. This, oh, yeah. I missed them because I didn't care for them. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's. I wanted to. I see guess them. that's part of the deal. I mean, I, I will sort of try. I will probably drop somewhere between the the two of you, and and I'll make a bold statement error. I think there's already too much Star Wars, and that's wow, not. Okay. I don't feel that there's too much Star Wars for me personally, but there's certainly right. too much Star Wars for me to keep up with. I can't. I, gotcha. I just can't manage it. Rob, you and I spoke earlier this week about uh, one. Of, it was actually it was Casey's suggestion, suggestion to develop a podcast about uh, as a book club. Oh, it's a great idea. But it's a great idea. But I can't keep up. I'm way behind no. with the books. I Thanks. tried to catch up on the comic book reading this week. I don't I, understand that statement. Why can't you keep up? I just don't have time to read them. To do. I just yeah. don't. I just don't have time to, to okay. consume All right. them. Okay, let's look at it from a point of view of absorption and not your everyday other life which is commenting and theorizing and the podcast if you were just enjoying them as a regular fan are you saying there's still too much probably uh, and i'm not being i'm not being I find that really interesting yeah. you do a daily and a weekly yes and i yeah, find I mean, that if baffling you, if you strip that stuff away <laughs> i mean this I'll, tonight i'll be podcasting for somewhere in the region of six hours right if you right. if i took that away I wouldn't spend that six hours doing something else. I'd go to bed. <laughs> and like the two yeah. hours I spend every day producing the daily, I wouldn't spend that reading a Star Wars novel. It's, I still only get tired. I still only make the same amount of time to consume stuff. And I need to consume stuff, obviously, because it's fuel for what we do, um, movies. Yeah. But, you know, I can't keep up with the Clone I, c- I couldn't keep up with the Clone Wars. I can't keep up with Star Wars Rebels because I just mm-hmm. don't get the time to sort of watch them. If I, if I had them on a streaming service where I could binge them, like we were talking about Netflix, I might do that. Yeah. I might hit it when it drops and binge it in one hit, but I have to wait for them to build up. And by the time that's, by the time I've got them all loaded and ready to watch, the conversation's happened. You know, I'm already yeah. behind. It's the same with the books. You know, I've got Phasma as the audio book, but that conversation's done. 
Everyone's moved on now. I, yeah, I still haven't finished that one. So it's That's hard to on remain my, on my pile. But, it's hard to consume these things and and remain current and be in the conversation. So from that perspective, I know I've stepped away from the movies, but if, from that perspective, there is just too much content out there to consume. There's not. It's not because yeah. I can cherry pick what I want, prioritize it, mm-hmm. and I've always got Star Wars in my life. But this year with the way this release schedule has worked out, coming off of The Last Jedi, straight into Solo, gives us an idea of what two movies a year would be like. And I do think that that's too close to really be able to savour the experience. And that this this goes back to that subjectivity that you hinted at, Paul. That's my experience. Somebody else might think, I can't wait. I can't wait even five months to get to the next movie. To me, Mm. I think I want to settle in enjoy the last movie, get to the home entertainment, we kick it around all through the summer, and then the and then the ramp-up starts for the next film at the end of the year. Mm. That, to me, is the perfect formula. Yeah, another thing that I think is, is kind of interesting about this stuff is, remember I, I talked about it, a while, we talked about it a little while ago, how, for me, I've noticed that a lot of people, in the absence of religion, seem to replace it with pop culture. Yeah, and in particularly Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, and and there's nothing you know, and I don't necessarily see anything inherently wrong with that as you, as long as you're kind of. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, absorbing it as a force for positive in your life rather than, you know, going... I, I'm not on board with the whole sort of using fandom as a club to bat other fans around with for because insert reason here mm-hmm. um it's not something i swing with and i kind of disappoint it disappoints me when i see it in others particularly when i'm i think they're better than that but you know um i think that for some people that there would be some people i think for whom there is no such thing as too much because it's a religious experience and it's replaced that it's got that kind of um, what's the word? That kind of place in their in their life, mm-hmm. and it takes kind of priority over all other aspects of life. And that's if you want to do things that way, that's great. More power to you, and you do you. But that's not something I can get my head around. And that's obsession. That you've got to be careful with that kind of situation. Yeah, I, 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 exactly. And I we mean, sports, thing, if, right? if people are happy with it and they want to live their life that way, and it's and they're not like I say, they're not doing any harm to anybody, and they're um and they're taking the positive from it like if they're getting a huge social buzz from the sports things and but they also get an excitement from the from the pure enjoyment of the spectating then that's great you know whatever makes people happy ultimately they should be doing as much of that as they possibly can but 
it's just not something I can get my head around because I have this kind of broad, you know, I have this interest in this broad. I mean, even within pop culture, I have a broad spectrum of interests, you know, some of which aren't particularly difficult to, you know, some of which aren't particularly difficult to keep up with and some of which are really difficult to keep up with. Um, and I think it's important to be, to be conscious of that stuff and to be well-rounded with it. And like I say, if people would, if people just want, you know, want more Star Wars because that's where they spend their time and that's where they want to be, that's great. Again, more power to you. It's just not something I can countenance. But it so is, I think it's where the sorry, if, go. On. If if that is what they want, then it's there, isn't it? It's just it's yeah. just a multimedia experience. If they want that, they'll have their one movie a year, and then they'll have their season of Rebels, for example, and they've got their box set of Clone Wars, and they've got their Battlefront yeah. Two, and their monthly comic books, and there's a new novel every couple of months. There's always something um, you could have. You could have Star Wars twenty four seven. And I, yeah. um, I guess you could probably have a new experience with it every single day f- for a year between movies. Um, there's so much stuff out there, mm. but in, in this instance, I think there's too much for me to cover. There's too much for me to keep up with, and mm. that's that's one that's one problem. Um, but I end up cherry picking what I want. Um, but Stephen goes on to ask about um, a three year gap between movies and i think this is quite likely and i mentioned this on a on a recent episode of the daily that i felt that we were probably going to start looking at three years between um entries in a certain project so ryan's trilogy might be separated by three years um dan and dave's series of films might be separated by three years and then you know insert maybe it's going to be a saga entry or a standalone movie in the third year so you'd have three year production windows for each series of films and that you'd still keep your annual release date so does that does that change anything for anybody because i like that idea that they can take more time over their product consider it in that space of time produce it and, and craft something better he says in that that side of things I like. The the thing I think is probably quite dangerous is that that's not something that's going to sit well and it's going to be difficult to follow for your casual fan. Mm-hmm. I think if you, especially if you start, you know, if we end up with, let's say, we end up with another set of films that gets announced that's coming in the not too distant future as well, then we're going to be cycling through multiple different trilogies and multiple yeah. different duologies and stuff, and it's just that I have considered. Yeah, well, this is the thing, you know, we're we're disconnected from that point of view for the most part because we are we're not that type of fan. We're a sort of more kind of more um, dedicated, more switched on, more informed fan, just by the very nature of the fact that that's what we do here. Yeah. Obviously, in, as a result, we have to keep up with this stuff because that's the only way to, you know, you're saying about the conversations happened yeah. before we before you've got there. And it's absolutely true. And, you know, the only way we stay on top of these conversations is to be informed as informed as we can be about the stuff we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So inevitably we find this, you know, we find these things out through, through these methods, but you know, that's not most people's experience. No, no. And, most, you know, sorry, Rob. Sorry, go on. I was fine. just going to say yeah. most, most people, if I was going to clarify the, the, um, 
the two camps that you're sort of indicating there. You've got the the, per, the person that turns out of the box office and says, oh, what do I see? Do I see the Marvel movie or do I see the Star Wars movie? And then there's mm-hmm. us going, Marvel, what? Give me the ticket for Star Wars. They're the kind of yeah. two camps, aren't they? We're the informed people that kind will of. make a beeline for that product and consume it because we want to be yeah. at the heart, and we need to be at the heart of it when we're... And we've made a conscious choice to go to see that movie on that day. Deliberately. Whereas, you know, uh, a member of the, you know, your average member of the public might not do that. They might go and say, we're going to the cinema, there's loads of cool stuff to see, we can just decide when we get there based on what's there. Yeah, whereas my decision's made when I get in the car. Yeah, or even months before. Indeed, yeah. No, that, happened to, that happened to us, you know, we, we book up... You know, we're the ones crashing the websites on the first day, yeah. trying to get the seats as you know the the cushiest seats we can find. Um, most people aren't doing that. Most people are probably going, "Oh, I'm not going to go and see it straight away. It's going to be mad. I'll go and see it after a couple of weeks." Yeah. And again, there's there's no wrong way to experience that. It's just different things. They have different priorities, and that's fine. It's just, you know, we have to keep in mind when we talk about what, how much is too much for the broad spectrum of fandom that. You know, one movie a year is probably about right already. And for me personally, like I said, I think one movie a year, considering all the other stuff there is to in, to enjoy about Star Wars, one movie's plenty. Yeah. Because you know, there's so much other stuff. You're absolutely right, Mark. Even if you even if you factor out catching up on the stuff you've missed and going back and repeat watching things. Because, I mean, we know, you know, we have several wonderful VIPs who watch the films over and over again regularly, and that's great. Yeah. And you should... And you should enjoy these films because they, you know, they're wonderful and they're they're there to be enjoyed. Um, but you know, if you even if you factor that stuff out, there's still a ton of new stuff coming, and this stuff is not, you know, um, seldom. It's it's coming out frequently, and there's different. There's comic books every month. There's about how many? What half a dozen? Maybe even ten different arcs. Yeah, I mean, I, I only read two, and occasionally I I dip into a. Um a series that has been released as a trade, so like Lando yeah. or Son of Daphne, mm-hmm. I just picked up. So, but I'm I'm oh, committed no. to two. But there's so much out there to yeah. be consumed. But the question really is concentrating on the movies. Mm-hmm. You guys keep bringing in comics and other things. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a this is a movie based question. It is. Yeah. It is. Well, the so, first part I, of the question was just too much Star Wars. I take your point, but you know, I think it's worth keeping in mind that when you talk about how much is too much star wars generally or even if you're talking about the context of the movies um you know the movies aren't the only thing that's available if somebody is so into star wars that they want to absorb everything you don't need more movies to do that you can there is other stuff for you to to get into yeah even then i think if we did say let's just put the blinders on and not look at the expanded storytelling and novels books and videos video games tv shows let's um just focus on the movies. I still think that my preferred way to consume these films would be yearly, and and I would be. I, I'm very conscious now, Robert. The excellent point you just made about how confused a casual audience will get when they go to see a Star Wars movie, and it's from three different series that are being released simultaneously, if you like, but mm. three years apart. Um, that to me is ideal. That I will know that. This year I've got that film. Next year I've got that film. The year after I've got that film. That's just great. Yeah. That's like a lifetime locked in a permanent Christmas Eve for me, and mm-hmm. I would I would just love that. Um, but I take on board what you said about how confusing that will be for the casuals, um, not knowing what you're getting one year to the next. We we 
enjoyed the three-year release cycle of George's movies because we didn't have a lot of choice. And there was nothing in the downtime to fill that gap. There was nothing so, to confuse uh, the audience. That sentence says a lot. You just said we enjoyed it because we didn't have a lot of choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that definitely was not the case for many people, surely. I think some people that might have been. I get that impression. But, yeah, I mean, that's a that's an ongoing discussion we've had many times. <laughs> Oh, this it's a good. really subjective question. This is simple. Very true. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. it is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I like, I like it. I like where he's coming from, and it's something that I've heard. I mean, every day when I'm going through my avalanche of emails that come through Google alerts, so I can start prepping the the daily podcast. Every mm. single um, result has at least one article that says, "Are we are we getting Star Wars overload?" Is there too much Star Wars? Are we risking... Is Star Wars like watering itself down? It's just... That's the thing at the moment. That's what we're looking at. I think it's a concern. I think it's a valid concern. Um, and the proof of the pudding, I think, is going to be in the eating. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Ultimately, right. the thing to keep in mind as well is these outlets have a vested interest in drumming up discussion about things that might not have a answer because, you know, clickbait's going to click. Yeah, yeah. Yep, true. I think um, the third part of Stephen's question, we've kind of hit on them. We would would there would more than one film a year worry you? I think we've kind of covered that in a way um, mm. in our discussion. So, um, Stephen, thank you so much for uh, the email, sir. It's uh, and as Rob said, thank you so much for your continued support, gents. Have you had? Have you said everything you want to say on the subject before we move along? I think we've all voiced our opinion. Yeah, and more. Excellent. Yeah, we've all voiced our opinion. And I think we've else's. all disagreed with each other's opinion. That's good. That's okay. That's good. Yeah. We like to do that. I'm alright with that. Like I said, we're a, we're a reflection of uh, the risk. We don't we we're don't a... impose opinion. We're a ref- reflection of opinion. Yeah, we we are three people. We are three people who successfully managed to be a broad church. I think that's impressive. Yeah. If only people could read the chat on the side of the screen. Oh, um, right, right. Let's. Um, if we just read that really long word that Paul's put in there. <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> Right, let's get to our last voicemail before the break and then we'll get to Casey's Corner. Paul's typing something else. I love it when that pops open. Oh, that's that's some top-tier language Lovely. right there. Lovely. Thank you. All right. <laughs> this is a voicemail from the wonderful Matthew, Matthew Salvatore. I um, had the pleasure of doing the roundtable with two Matthews at the weekend, Matthew Salvatore and Matthew um, Gilbert from Australia. Oh, cool. Brilliant episode. A lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so Matthew followed up his appearance with this voicemail, which he sent to us earlier this week. Hey, how's it going, Talk Star Wars? It's Matthew Salvatore here, and I have a couple quick questions to run by you guys. So I guess the example I would like to use for my question would be Marvel. We have the Marvel Netflix shows and the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Now, with all the talk with Ryan's new trilogy and David and Dan's new series of films, also the numerous television shows being announced, where would you like to see Star Wars go tonally? Where would, in that spectrum between Marvel Netflix and Marvel Cinematic Movies, would you like Star Wars to fit? Would you like to see it go a little darker and perhaps maybe take a more serious approach like Daredevil or Punisher? Or would you like to see it... uh, really hang back to where it's at would you like to go see it uh go towards perhaps a more of a rogue one vibe where 
there are good guys and bad guys, but even the good guys are somewhat questionably gray, like we saw with the separate factions within the Rebellion during Rogue One. Um, I know The Last Jedi did kind of touch on that question uh, with DJ and Finn's conversation, but near the end, it did kind of just kind of go back to black versus white, good versus evil. So where would you like to see Star Wars go tonally? Um, where in this broad spectrum of tone would you like it to fit? Uh, for me, I can pretty much take it any way they give it. Um, I would love to see a darker toned uh, Boba Fett series um, working for the Huts. That would be amazing. And I would uh, also like to see stuff like Star Wars Rebels. So I think I think for Star Wars uh, to be what Star Wars is, it should have a broad spectrum of tone just so everyone can kind of find something that they fit with. Uh, for me, uh, the Star Wars films, I kind of like the uh, Star Wars films with a darker tone. So like Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, and Empire Strikes Back, those are pretty much my top three films. So I definitely like the darker tone films. But um, So I was wondering where you guys would like to see Star Wars go tonally. And uh, so, yeah, thank you. Uh, may the Force be with you guys. Bye. Awesome. Thank you, Matthew. Um, thank so, you. So we did... We did hit on some of his points earlier on, but I think it, it this bears repeating. Um, have at it, gentlemen. Why, where do you want to see Star Wars go tonally? And remember, this can be a different argument to the um, rating issue we discussed earlier, because there is those two things aren't uh, exactly the same issue. Rob, should we start with you? Oh, we can do, yeah. Um... I, I actually have a really good kind of thing in this. Um, Thor Ragnarok, for me, is a good example of where I'd like to see it go. Something that's accessible to kids, but has some kind of... like There's a few gags in there that will go over adults' heads. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, not adults' heads. Children's. They'll go over ki- children's heads, and adults will be like, oh, that's a bit, you know, it's a bit uh, close to the bone in terms of, you know, there's like... Um, jokes about self-pleasure mm-hmm. and things like that but it's not there's something a, you there's, pick a, up there's a few questionable kids. words though in ragnarok isn't there uh there are yeah i think i'd probably steer clear of those <laughs> mainly to be honest because um i'd really i i don't necessarily think you need to curse in films and actually some of the i mean like the example i always use is family guy some of the uh, episodes that make me laugh the hardest are the ones where they bleep swears. And then I can see the same episode again where they don't bleep it and it doesn't land as much because there's there's something about the imagination of what could be in that gap. Absolutely. I'm totally with you there. Totally with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, if you need to curse to to get your point across or to make somebody laugh, you're not very funny, to be honest. Like if it if it's if it's essential. Like if you can't do, if you can't make somebody laugh without cursing and I realize this is me talking, but <laughs> if you can't do it without cursing, I don't necessarily think you're as good as you think. Mm. Depends on the context. Jim Jeffries does an amazing handle via cursing. He does, Andrew, but he, Andrew Dice Clay I, I, is awful because of the cursing. Yeah, this is the thing is that, you know, um, it's kind of Kinnison versus Hicks for me in terms of comedians. Like, Hicks kind of made jokes and then yelled and Kinnison just yelled at you for half an hour. And sometimes mm. that works. And sometimes it, because of the context, I think you're right. 
you know. Bob Goldthwaite was similar in the early days, wasn't he? Though he was, yeah, a little bit. It was it's, just the wackiness that sold. I mean, crikey, sometimes look at, it works. Look at Kaufman. <laughs> it was eccentricness well, yeah. and God, yeah, stubbornness yeah. that he sold so well, mixed with mm. complete uh, bizarre ingenuity, for want of a better oxymoron. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, I know where you're coming from. Yeah, I agree. You don't need the language. Some of this, there was a bit of that kind of crept into last year, I didn't it? With some of the language that was being, there were some earthly, uh, colourful metaphors being used. Yeah. Um, that maybe maybe didn't need to be there. Mm. Uh, but they, you know, in the original trilogy, that sort of stuff was replaced, wasn't it? What with. Uh, with obvious standings like um bantha fodder and uh yeah nerf herder and all that sort of that sort of thing but that's good you know mm, i yeah, like i like that they have to do that stuff because i don't want it to be too easy for them to just chuck in an f-bomb yeah and stuff like that because it doesn't jar it you know it, it jars when it happens mm-hmm. like it doesn't fit r2 and bb8 do it constantly yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah they're masked i mean they're bleeps <laughs> they never they never stop <laughs> leaving no, they're, they're bleeps, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is it yeah it's like just you know, you can't imagine what they're saying, and that's part of the fun. Yeah, yeah, like when Luke said to Arthur, "Watch your mouth." Yeah, yeah, it's implied, and and you know that that kind of stuff is humorous. It speaks to your point earlier, Rob, about some of that stuff goes over children's heads. Yeah, which is fine, and and I like I like where you're coming from with the tone, like the Ragnarok tone, the Guardians of the Galaxy tone. That can yeah. have its place. In Star Wars, and I, I think actually it worked really well to complement um, some of the the more dire tones that you get in something like Rogue One. And Matthew mentioned Rogue yeah. One in his in his voicemail. That um, more dour style of movie w- could have a nice companion piece, you know, in a in a more light hearted approach. And maybe that's what we're going to get with Solo. Um, yeah. And Ron's just pulled that back from the brink. Of um, of being too far the other way, um, but yeah, I think there should be there should be some balance. But Paul, what about you? What about tone? Sorry, Rob, have you have you are you finished? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Paul, um, my thing is intelligent, mysterious writing. Um, we've seen a few issues of it. Uh, you know, Luke in the cave in Dagobah. Mm-hmm. I like it when they take us to slightly darker places where you do actually, for a moment, even question yourself, maybe later, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, Ray with a mirror. Yes. Um, mm. You know, little things like Luke's little twist, you know, I'm not actually there. <laughs> Those kind of things. So I just, um, some might consider it more adult writing, but uh, it may not be a, a younger, broad spectrum kind of approach, but I'm into slightly more intelligent. I like being tripped up cleverly by a movie <clears throat> those kind of situations i've got no issue with you know like luke's um eventual demise as long as they do it faithfully honorably and with a little bit more depth to it and i actually found it quite romantic and touching to be completely honest with you so i've got no i've got no problem with that i don't mind if it does go a little darker along those tones if it's handled in the correct way that's all i'm going to say but darkness for the sake of darkness it wouldn't sell anyway so yeah mm. that's true it wouldn't work twice anyway. No, not so not with Star Wars. No. But, I mean, in all honesty, I mean you look at the, the whole context of Empire, it's a pretty gloomy situation. But the way mm. it was crafted worked. That's why it's, you know, everybody's second, third, first, second, third favourite film sort of thing. So if you're clever with it and patient and you craft it well, you can sell us darker story 
in you know very very easily <clears throat> so i've got no issue with that but they they work well i think the original trilogy worked well because it, it is kind of the sweet with the sour isn't it like you just come off of this yes yeah, um, the ultimate fairy tale mate yeah you come off this wonderful um first movie with this huge award ceremony at the end and everyone's smiling everyone's cheerful because you know they've done it they beat the bad guys and then in the second movie, it all goes to hell, and they're and they're in so much trouble, and it doesn't end well. So you leave the you leave that experience, and oh my goodness! And then by the time you get into Jedi, and you and the hero saves the day, and it's everyone's is uplifted. There's that lovely roller coaster that works all the way through it. I don't know if that roller coaster was necessarily present in the prequel trilogies. I'm not not necessarily the prequel trilogy, not necessarily for me at least. I didn't see that those same highs and lows in watching those films um and i'm not necessarily identifying it in the sequel trilogy either unfortunately um that's not necessarily a criticism but you know that that was difficult to capture i think in those first three films so you have the tone working uh, not just on its own in that individual movie but as a piece of a larger whole and um and i think that was extraordinarily clever to capture that like that and I don't know whether that was intentional or whether that was accidental and whether I'm reading too much into it but that's the kind of thing I'd like to see and I, and I guess it could be considered a bit of a cop-out the tone I'd like to see is whatever suits the story they're telling so with Rogue One you can do that you can give me the darker stuff and then with The Force Awakens you're telling a story that's slightly more hopeful in places then we'll have the we'll have the upbeat stuff um, but just do what the story intends and follow it where it needs to go i don't like like both of you guys have put this evening i don't want to just see dark for the sake of dark i don't want to see brutality on street on screen just because they can do it because they're thinking that's what we're aiming for with this certification i'd rather the story lead them where they go the rating will come afterwards the way i believe it did with revenge of the sith it followed the rating followed the story the tone followed the story it's uh it's not an easy it's not an easy one is it this no, by no means. It's um, again, it's another one that's subjective. You know, Paul was absolutely right earlier when he said that the question about what, too, how much is too much, is very subjective. Also, what you know, where does it skew, is very much dependent on who's asking the, who's yeah, being course. asked the question. Because <clears throat> too much skew for you is too little skew for someone else. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, and somebody who's a parent will have a completely different take on this. Like. David earlier and Paul yourself as well you know compared to somebody like me who doesn't have children at the moment that I know of uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah well you know um, so the, you know this thing is again it's very it's very much dependent on who's being asked the question because you can very easily make the argument that um, people would you know, there are a number of people who would just go well you know well then obviously they're making it for me so what i want is this and again it's just not the way you know there's some people who are it's being made for and it's some of them are right in their thinking that it's made specifically for them and some of them are wrong yeah yeah and it, it it's um i think i'm thinking of things like deadpool and things like um deadpool logan and the new one that's coming out has been pushed back to next year. The um, the New Mutants, I think it is, part of the X-Men yeah. franchise. They seem to be, it's kind of like the cart before the horse. It's kind of like they set out with, we're going to make a hard R movie. And this is what, yeah. this is the movie we're going to make. And mm. 
that is fine. That is fine. When you get something like Logan that's made, that's fine. I don't, I don't mind mm-hmm. if you set out and you say, look, we're free. We can do whatever we want. That's fine. Uh, you have to understand that you're limiting your audience. You're limiting the appeal of the project, as we heard from David earlier. But with Star yep. Wars, I'm not necessarily sure that that is fine. I don't think I, I can't imagine for a minute that they sat down. The first conversation over they were making Rogue One was, "We're going to make this dark. This, yeah. this, let's do something dark and disturbing." You know that scene with Vader in the corridor. Let's do something that's kind of haunting in a Star Wars film. I don't think that was the first consideration. I think the first consideration yeah. was the story they had to tell and the tone mm-hmm. came afterwards. That's the way I'd like to see them manage these future projects. It's just yeah. let the storyteller tell the story he wants to tell and worry about the tone as it, it as it starts to reveal itself. Yeah, you kind of touched on it earlier when you were saying about um, people who kind of go for a, you know, they're like, oh, we, we want a hard R. So we're like, we're going to do what we can to get there versus people who make a film, make a story and then submit it. And then it just is what it is in terms of because it's ultimately down to the certification boards to it is. decide what the rating is. So, you know, there's two ways to approach that. You either go, right, well, we're going to go for this one. So that's what you know, this is what we can get away with. And there's an, the other approach is we're going to tell this story and we're going to do this and this is how it's going to play out. And then let the cards fall where they may mm-hmm. and i'm sure there are you know behind the scenes i'm sure there are discussions that go on and appeals back and forth about ratings and that sort of thing just to, because i'm sure sometimes companies go for a you know let's say they go for a pg and they get a 12a and they go back and they cut stuff away and i'm sure that happens and i'm pretty sure i can think of i'm sure there's an example of it something well, there's, famous there's one in star wars and that's um attack of the clones they had, okay. to, they had to remove a headbutt in the fight between Django and Ewan McGregor. Uh, um, okay. Or, or maybe, not, maybe not Ewan McGregor, maybe the character. That would probably work better. Yeah, uh, yeah Obi-Wan <laughs> and Django, there was a headbutt. And right. um, that had to be removed from the theatrical release of Attack of the Clones. I think it, was about, it, it amounts to about one second. It's in the mm-hmm. Blu-ray, um, but yeah. it didn't make it into theatres. And so that was like 16 years ago. So times have changed. I guess that wouldn't be a consideration now. Mm. But plenty of films have had these issues. I think um, some of Spielberg's stuff was hit with a higher rating than he wanted. Um, Mm. Something like Jurassic Park, I believe. And he managed to get that. He managed to appeal that down because at the end of the day, Spielberg. Um, Then there was the Spider-Man controversy. Kids could wear the pajamas and carry the lunchbox, but they couldn't see the movie. So the 12A yeah. certification was invented so mm-hmm. that parents could then decide, decide to take their child to that film if they wanted because they were being appealed to across multiple other um, media, but they, yeah. they weren't being allowed to um, consume the product prime, you know? So there's it, it's always going to trip people up. And, and, you know, I think there's probably the other way as well where people make a movie and they go, right, let's make a let's make a horror film that's really, really disturbing. I'm for an 18 and someone goes, 15. All right, let's put some more stabbing in. Yeah, let's load it up. Yeah. You know, that's the kind oh, we of can, approach. Yeah, we can, oh, we've only got a 15. Oh, brilliant. We can do even more stuff. Yes, go, let's go the other way. So, yeah. you know, that's putting the tone before the story and that has its place. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It does. It has its yeah, place. Sometimes. And they're, they're different, sometimes it works. They're different types of experiences. For Star Wars, I think you tell the story and let the tone follow. And that's got to be the golden, it's got to be the golden rule. Right, gentlemen, I think we are about ready to have a break. And then when we come back, we've got um, an epic voice mail from Casey, who's doing his own corner this week, because I think he's he's firing Rob. 
Um, I think that might be. I think that's the only way I could possibly take it. That's absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> I, I approve of that position. <laughs> I you've, bet you do. Just read a massive email this evening, so you deserve a break. My throat is my throat is very dry. There you go. Well, you go and get some um, some fluids in you. And we'll head to our break and we'll be straight back with Casey's Corner. If you'd like to support what we do here at Talk Star Wars, then head to patreon.com forward slash Talk Star Wars and become a patron. Your support will help us as we expand our programming to include further shows, and in return, you'll get access to an exclusive VIP Facebook group a monthly prize draw, weekly Facebook Live sessions, priority release podcasts, an exclusive daily podcast, and a whole lot more. Head to patreon.com forward slash TalkStarWars today and become a TSW patron. And we're back. So you've just heard about how you can become a TalkStarWars patron by visiting our Patreon page, like just like Casey did. And as normally would be customary, it's time for Casey's Corner, where I would read his message, but he's decided I'm surplus to requirements, so let's just hear from him instead. Hey guys, Casey here. I thought I'd try sending in my question this week as an audio file. Uh, I know Mark's looking for any excuse to use his uh, fancy new soundboard, so I thought I'd try and give him a good reason for it. Um, So my question this week is, it's actually not so much a question, but it's a thought. I wouldn't even call it a theory so much. It actually is based off of something that Mark said in one of the dailies, sort of inspired this thought, and he was talking about the the, tra- the kind of odd train we see in the solo trailer, and uh, he was talking about how he thought that it was possible that Han was sent to go steal something off this train. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly paraphrasing here, it's been a few days since I heard it, but I, I think he's mentioned it as you know maybe some sort of black market artifact or something along those lines. And it made me have the thought that what if that black market artifact was a lightsaber? And I know at first I thought this was a terrible idea, but the more I've thought about it, the more I think it kind of makes sense. Uh, First of all, from a a real-life perspective, Star Wars, Lucasfilm, they clearly want to have a tie-in, some sort of Jedi tie-in to any film they do. Now, I know I agree with, I'm sure, a lot of you that if any film doesn't need a Jedi or Force tie-in, it's this movie it wouldn't make sense. Han Solo never had anything to do with that. But I think when you look at, say, a movie like Rogue One, which also, at face value, when you first hear you know, it's going to be a movie about stealing the Death Star planes, that didn't need a force tie-in in any way. It, didn't, it was just a movie about a military uh, operation to, to steal planes. And yet, it was... A big part of it was set on Jeddah, where, you know, it's known for having this ancient Jedi temple. Two of the main characters were Guardians of the Wills. They clearly still found a way to make the Jedi a big part, and you can't really blame them when the Force is such a major part of the Star Wars universe. They don't want to lose out on that. They don't want them to still have that in some degree in any movie, I think. So I think it's likely that they'll try and find some sort of way to tie the Force into this. Uh, hopefully a subtle way, because I, I still don't think it's a good part of it. But, so from an in-universe point of view, I actually think this makes a lot of sense, because, one, in this time period, anything having to do with the Jedi would be outlawed. The Empire, we know, after Order 66, they basically outlaw anything having to do with the Jedi. People are scared to even talk about the Jedi, to even say the word. 
you know, they're trying to make everyone just completely forget about it. So if someone were to have a lightsaber hilt, which certainly with how many were out there at the time of Order 66, there's bound to be some that didn't get collected um, and are floating around. They would, it would certainly be considered a black market artifact. It would be something that would have to be kept secret. So I think it would make sense that that could be the kind of thing they would be sent to steal or Han might be sent to steal. Plus, I, something like that, because it would be so rare and so hard to get your hands on, that would be worthwhile. Um, and now, I, at first I was worried that this couldn't work, or we're not worried, but I didn't think this would work because of A New Hope and the way Han doesn't seem to... to know anything about the Force or, or anything um, Jedi-related when he's talking with Luke and Ben on the Falcon. But the more I think about it, the more it actually could still work because, first of all, Han never actually says that he hasn't heard of the Force. I don't, I don't As far as I remember, he doesn't say anything quite that way. He basically just kind of mocks, mocks them for believing in it um, and says, you know, he'd rather have a blaster than a, than a lightsaber. doesn't mean he's never heard of it. it I certainly don't think he would know a lot about it, but, you know, he still may have heard little bits here and there. Um, he just doesn't believe in it. Also, he um, he doesn't even have to actually see the lightsaber in this movie. Even if they had him steal the lightsaber, it may be that he goes and steals some box, uh, you know, with certain markings on it, and it could be that Han doesn't even have to be there. You know, he just delivers this box and walks out of the room, and whoever he gives it to opens the box, there's a lightsaber there, the whole crowd gets a big aha moment. You know, oh, that's a lightsaber, I know what that is. And or, you know, Han's none the wiser, doesn't change anything about his story. Um, and also, as far as I was worried that if he had, even if he does, even if he does see the lightsaber, I got to thinking that maybe, you know, wouldn't that kind of butt up with what happened in A New Hope as far as he sees Luke with this lightsaber, he doesn't act like, he doesn't show any recognition, he doesn't feel like he knows what it is. But I got to thinking, lightsabers are all, each one is special. They all look vaguely alike, but there's a fair amount of difference from one to the next. So it could be that this is some very different looking lightsaber made by some some Jedi we've never even heard of. And so when he sees the one given to Luke, he may not recognize it as the same thing because it could be quite different. Um, and I'm not saying he sees it turned on. I think at that point he would certainly recognize, uh, recognize it as the same thing Luke has. But if he just sees this hilt, he may not, you know, it would may not cause any kind of recognition. He sees, you know, years later, see Luke with a sort of similar looking thing. So all in all, I actually think it could make sense, and I think it would be kind of a fun, it would certainly be a crowd servicing moment, but I think it might be kind of a fun one and not, um, you know, not overdone. I think it could actually be fairly subtle. And also, it might set up something, uh, you know, a future story, probably an expanded universe type of thing with, uh, you know, trying maybe sometime down the line we get to find out whose lightsaber was it that on ended up stealing uh, and tie that in with something that could be fun in the future. So it's a, it's a possibility. Uh, I still long shot as, as anything, I think, at this point. Not saying I think it's going to happen by any means, but it's good and it's kind of a fun idea. I kind of like it actually. The more I think about it, so let me know what you guys think. Um, be interested if you think it's even possible, and if, and more importantly, if it is, would you want to see that or hate Jedi type? Thanks, guys. So, what do we reckon to Casey's theory then that the item on the train 
that Han and Chewie are sent to steal, and it would appear that he's in there with, um, they're on there with Beckett as well, looking at the trailer. Um, how do you feel about that being a lightsaber? Or a Jedi artifact? It works. Mm-hmm. I think it works really well. I think it's, um, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, the, I don't know about the, the lightsaber probably would be, I don't know, I like the idea of the Jedi artifact more, I think, because it would be another one of those ones where it's a nice little nod to the fans who are in the know, and it doesn't detract from the film for the people who don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. They'd, they'd be few and far between, I think, if they went in and they didn't know what a lightsaber what a lightsaber was mm-hmm. or what its significance was. Um but I do I think this is a great I think it's a great idea. The um the impression I'm getting from everything I've seen so far is that Dry, Dryden Voss, which is the Paul Bettany character, mm-hmm. who has been referred to as the uh the big noir for this this movie, the the big yeah. bad. Um he appears to me to be sort of some sort of high end collector. And so the on set photograph we saw with him and Ron uh, showed a, a bunch of artifacts in jars. And I, I have it on pretty good authority, Paul Bateman, um, suggesting that in one of those jars, there's an Ewok. So we're going to need to watch out for that sort of thing, that one of the one of the items in his collection is an Ewok. Now, it could be that he wants the lightsaber procured um, by Beckett and his team as the proof of their capability to get the actual MacGuffin. Now, Lucasfilm won't release what this item is that they're stealing from the train. I have a hard time believing that that's the the main item for the story. I suspect, in fact, that it might be what they're stealing from the train is the way they prove themselves capable of doing what he really wants. And if that was a lightsaber for this guy to add to his collection, I think that'd be really exciting. Paul, what do you think about this being a lightsaber that Han and Chewie are trying to steal from the train? Uh, I didn't know there was a. <laughs> I didn't know there was an agenda on that. I mean, when I've seen the trailer, I've obviously seen the train, but just prior to that, you see Woody Harrelson like I'm putting a gig together a crew. Mm-hmm. So I wondered if it was some kind of bandido gang that obviously were doing some kind of highwayman situation. Yeah, <clears throat> but as uh, with regard to the target, I wasn't entirely sure. Um, I mean, other than a lightsaber, what other art? I mean, it'd be interesting. It was a whole case full of uh, crystals or something, maybe. True. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Thing. But um, is that as feasible, though, because crystals are almost personally mined and discovered and so on, aren't they? Something along those lines. So having just a case full of them would be a bit... Well, they're probably unrefined or something, I don't know. Um, But But beyond that, that I don't know what else they could do. That could tie into some of the stories that have already been told, eh, Rob? Like Catalyst? Because there won't be much difference in time here, right? No, not not especially, no. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, really. I get the impression it's probably in the sort of catalyst era or maybe the sort of earlier part of rogue one the sort of the lemu stuff yeah possibly yeah yeah okay, yeah you to, yeah you want some you want some context for that paul um, no, i was gonna say you have to forgive me but it was a, there has there been an announcement or has there been something issued that says that there is something on the train that is um worthwhile yeah. to yeah, yes just, okay just to give the whole the whole thing some context the um the lucasfilm won't um, reveal what the MacGuffin is. Now, Han and Chewie are on that train to steal something. Now, it's unclear whether or not that's the the third act event and this is the main 
this is the main thing they're going after, or if this is, as Bresnikan um, alluded to in his EW coverage, that this is Han proving himself, proving his worth. Now, I'm reading between the lines and assuming that this is a little gig that he has to do to prove that he's capable of doing the big gig. And we don't know what the little gig is, and we don't know what the subject of the big heist is going to be. Might so be a person. It could be. It could be. That was the first thing that crossed my mind, was that they're dealing with people, and this has some sort of significance for Kira, that she's she okay. actually wants somebody rescued or freed or something, you know? Um, her involvement, she's moving in those circles for a reason. I think that she, whatever Han's going after, she wants it. So they're going to steal it for Dryden Voss, and she's going to steal it from him. Now, that could be could a person. Be, Sorry. Could, yeah, could it be a love interest of hers? Kind of somebody from her past who she's... Or a parent. Who's been taken, who's been taken away. Yeah, or possibly that. Yeah. it's It could be... It could be... I mean, we've seen that kind of in Rogue One, haven't we, with um, Jin going after Galen. So we've seen that kind of dynamic. I'm not, I'm not sure. It could be... It could be a map to something. Maybe that's a little bit too on the nose. But this, the the train heist itself, I definitely think that's a rehearsal for the main event, and it's it's a dry run to see. It's for Dryden to see how the guys handle it. And in the trailer, we see Han. It looks like he dumps the cargo from that little craft, um, but it's actually being taken by swoop bikes. Now I wonder if Dryden's got another team, and he says like, you know, get this stuff, and then he hires another team to steal it from the thieves. That kind of dynamic so that might be the the test the dry run the rehearsal mission um and yeah i think it could be something like a lightsaber because that would certainly be contraband in this era um likewise i think crystals would probably be something that's high value um or a a holocron or something you know it could be a, a jedi artifact like a holocron there's a whole bunch of this stuff in the comic books at the moment all over the place. Um, but I do think that ultimately, I think the big heist is most likely going to be something a little bit more personal um, and might have some connection to Kira. You know, I like the idea that it might be someone special to her. But do we... Well, thumbs up, let's do a round table. Play or pass. you think a lightsaber is doable or not? I don't know if it's... Sorry, I thought I was on mute. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth pursuing. Um, I mean, I think your concern would be more the Jedi attached to said lightsaber, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just wondering, like you say, if the whole thing is a rehearsal to keep Woody Harrelson happy and get a bigger job or something like that, then uh, is it just contraband? Is it just money? Or I don't know. <clears throat> um, yeah, if it's been moved by the Empire, it might be a little bit... It might not be money or drugs like spice it might be something plans to a space station possibly yeah see they've done they've walked that path previously no not so long ago. no one's no one's done that yet no one's done it yet well no <laughs> they, in the chronology they hadn't done it yet all right the usb that could hold the plans for a space station <laughs> or something. that's r2 he's the usb <laughs> rob other options other potentials uh in this era? i don't know really yeah, I don't know really. It's I, I I still really stuck on the Jedi artifact idea. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that might fit. You know, again, dro- like a droid, I guess, might work. 
Yeah, there is a droid in the comic books that guards this, um, that guards a vault for Jocasta mm-hmm. Nu in the Jedi Temple. So maybe it's it, like a code breaker type thing. Like, what if it's, not what like if it's, DJ. Uh, what if it's Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, got, he's on holiday yeah. from, from Dagobah. He thought he'd well, take in some snowy mountains. Well, he hasn't got to Dagobah yet, see? Yeah, it would be at Dagobah at this point. Would he be there by now? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, so there you go. That's how he gets there. He's on the um, Dagobah Express. <laughs> Murder on the Dagobah Express. <laughs> but they're, going, they're looking for Daisy Ridley because she's in both films. She's in both. Yeah, he's got a, Yoda's got Yoda's got a really long moustache with curls at the end. It's just really, really and a French accent. What, what if it is? What if always two at once? There are. What if we're overthinking this now? It could be that Dryden Voss... <laughs> be unusual for us. Wouldn't yeah. it just? Uh, what if Dryden Voss hires Beckett to pull off a heist on this train and it's a, it is a rehearsal for the big ticket, for the big game, the big event, right. and what he's doing is... It's, I'm going to call out um, Fast and the Furious 2 on this one. Yeah. What if it is just something like in that movie, um, I think the actor is Cole Hauser, he, his character has... Um, a bunch of hoodlums go after a car and retrieve a packet from it. It turns out to be a cigar and a cigar cutter. And that's all it is. Right. It's just a throwaway. You give me that, and I know that you're worth your metal. So that it could work. be that something on the... It's just a throwaway. Like, it's a... Yeah, there's a, there's a special box, but there's nothing in it. Yeah, or it's just like a, a bottle of whiskey or, you know, something really, really... Uh, that is worth pursuing, mate. Trivial. <laughs> Sentimental value rather than... yeah. Yeah, or not even that. Something so trivial that the guy, once he's got it, can throw it away and forget about it, you know? Um, mm. But it is just for these guys. They risk their life. They Pre- risk life. Blu-rays. Yeah, they, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, yeah, the laser disc of the original cuts of the movie. Ouch. Yeah, no, that, um, would be, that would be really interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, what about they go through all of it and there's sort of, you know, just a box and there's no um, sort of sense of what's inside and then he just opens it up and inside is some money. Yeah. That's it. And he just goes, here you go. Here's some money. Yeah. You know, and they they realised they could have basically just helped themselves and pretended they failed and kept the money. Oh, that's like an that. in, no, yeah, that's an interesting... Um, uh, it's a little situation. wooden box with two tiny little metal dice. Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. About the soul of Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames is in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, I really like that idea. Now, I like the idea that there is a big game and this is the rehearsal. I'm really sort of stuck on that. And mm-hmm. I like the idea that this this is a trivial thing that they're after and not necessarily something of any value or contraband or um, or any significance. Uh, a lightsaber would be interesting. It would certainly be interesting. Or um, whatever's on there may, may well be the key to the next part, simple as. Yeah. Yeah, we can't do this without this. It's on that train. We've yeah, got to get yeah, that. We need it this be... item to be able to get through this yes. next stage. Yes, I like that. It's very video game-like, isn't it? Sort of level up, le- a level up sort of approach. Hopefully not, yeah, hopefully not to the point where it is literally just, oh, good, you found the blue key. Yeah. Ding. Made of eight pixels. This is why Lord and Miller <laughs> were fired, because they wanted to have a little graphic on the scene that says, Han now puts this in his inventory. <laughs> I can't use this yet. <laughs> yeah, it was too. That was too on the nose. Oh, it's really cool. Thank you, Casey. That's a great. That's a great idea. I like that. I like mm-hmm. what. I like the way you're thinking. Um, and it would be kind of interesting to see Han 
um, experience some of these elements it, that he mocks yeah. later on. Uh, don't want to close the lid on this yet. If it was a saber, mm. could it be of anybody of importance along the right timeline? You two would know that. Yeah. Um, well, the, at this point in time, if we're if we're about ten years before New Hope, we're about nine years after Revenge of the Sith. So we've already mm -hmm. the, the Emperor's already had his purge, and part of what the Emperor did in sort of Vader Year One, if you like, in inverted commas, is he torched every Jedi lightsaber in a very public display, put them all in a furnace, and melted the whole thing down. Yoda's was in there, which is right. a, a little bit cannon breaking, but Yoda's um, weapon was in there. Um, and the whole purpose of that was, well, not the whole purpose of that, but part of that was Palpatine saying to Vader, you now need to go and defeat a Jedi and seize the weapon. Like, there is no weapon for you to fall back on. And mm. he, he had to hunt down a Jedi and take that Jedi's weapon. Um, he's still using it in the comic books that I'm reading at the moment. He hasn't actually crafted his own hilt, but he's still right. using this guy's weapon. So it could be... That that lightsaber hilt. It could be Kirik Infalar's lightsaber hilt that Vader took and bled. Now that would be valuable to a collector. Now this is major deep cut in the weeds Star Wars storytelling. Mm -hmm. So that would make no sense on screen in this movie. But it would say a lot to the fans that read the comic books, right? It would be yeah. that thing that it reaches out and touches a, a limited number in the audience. Oh my. So it could be that, yeah, if they designed the prop to look like the thing, the illustrated hand, uh, the illustrated hilt in the comic books, a certain percentage of the audience would see it and they'd know why Dryden Voss wants that thing in his collection because it was mm. once a great Jedi Warriors and then it was corrupted by Vader. That would be and then, high And then that. a lot more people would say, there isn't too much Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I need to go and read all of these wonderful comic books. Oh man! <laughs> no, that would be that would be kind of cool if that. Okay, yeah. but that's the only timeline you could associate with such a pickup, really. If but, it was a saber or something, it would have to be along those lines. Yeah, yeah, I think it would need. I think it would need to be. It's cool. Yeah, <clears throat> but that, that that would be that would be an interesting, an interesting element. And I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to poke holes in it now, and I can't think of. You know, we don't know what Vader's going to do. Vader might deconstruct that hilt, build his own around that crystal. That could be a thing. Um, mm -hmm. But that that hilt might be something that Dryden Voss would want to add to his collection, so it could be that. Um, I don't expect that to happen, but you know that's the kind of fanboy wish fulfillment that <laughs> I, I invest in for a little while before I go. Ah, oh, they didn't do it. The story, yeah. the story group sucked. Um, <laughs> I have been known to say those things. Uh, Just listen to TSW comics; you'll hear that a lot. Um, oh dear. Yeah, no, that would be that would be the one thing that I would expect. If it was a lightsaber, that would be the thing that I would expect. No, that's cool. Casey, thank you so much for the voicemail. Um, you can keep those coming every week if you like, because Rob needs to rest his little voice. Yeah. His little voicey-voicey. <laughs> Gentlemen, are we ready to move on to some Star Wars news? We won't do... Just about. We'll probably, no. jump, <laughs> we'll probably jump over a few of these... Right, well, we'll see how we get on. We'll jump, maybe we'll jump over a few of these items. Mm -hmm. um, so let's start with Solo, a Star Wars story, because that's next up. At the time of recording, it's 98 days away. Um, Ron Howard revealed just yesterday... Um, oh, no, no, that this this first story, sorry. Ron Howard revealed a behind-the-scenes reel at D23 last weekend um, in Japan 
he came out on stage and presented a behind-the-scenes reel. Now, this might be the same footage that was seen in Germany a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember that chap said, Solo looks good, before we got the trailer? Oh, yeah. It might have been the same stuff. Um, which I think might be the next piece of promotional material we see, a behind-the-scenes reel. Does that does that do anything for you, gents? Yeah, I like those. Yeah, they're cool. They're pretty it's good, not- yeah, it's nice to see a candid idea of the actors you know, offset, prepping and stuff. I yeah. love, I love looking at sets from a, um, you know, from a production crew's point of view. You know, it's uh, also cool. Hopefully, it won't be our set, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what else is cool about stuff like that is you get to. It's actually probably more fun, and because it's harder to go through frame by frame and pick out fun stuff. Because in a trailer, it's presented for you in film form. Yeah. Whereas in behind the scenes, you you have to look harder for that stuff because it's not so apparent. Yeah, because it's out of context, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But the, my favourite one so far was the Force Awakens behind the scene reel. And um, it was that one where Mark says, you know, practical effects, real sets. There's that, and there's that gorgeous music and all that wonderful cinematography, the, the shallow depth of field, that, all those... Um, frame shot start with it's a beautiful piece of filmmaking and i got exactly that rob where i was watching it and rewinding it and watching it and rewinding it and we saw that scene where the stormtrooper brings um poe down the corridor and then takes yeah. a, a hard left turn down another alleyway and i thought that's finn it, 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 he's boosting poe you know yeah. and it started to sort of click together mm-hmm. this thing started to click together and even though it was out of context like you just said there are clues there. There are things to be mined. So I love this stuff. and I can't wait to see. I think most of this is probably going to be behind the scenes from Ron's tenure rather than the Lord and Miller of it all. Um, so it might limit it somewhat, but it will be, be very, very cool to get a Lord and Miller reel later. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? I did. I joked the other day on the daily that perhaps we might get in the background. Kathleen Kennedy just screaming at both of them and they sort of hang their heads and slowly walk off. <laughs> Sorry, mum. Yeah, that might be a little we, bit too... Um, <laughs> oh, can we you know the... Sorry, uh, sorry, Paul. No. <coughs> do we know the legalities of uh, the credit on this? It's uh, Ron's now. He's filmed. In, he's refilmed enough that it's his. It's his. So yeah, it's yeah. Probably... he reshot about 80%. So, so yeah. it's, it's almost a new film then. Yeah, you'd want them to Pretty almost... Much. I feel like you'd want them to mention them in the credits somewhere as a courtesy because they have, you know, they, everyone's they, playing nice. They sacrificed, they sacrificed their time. They got paid. Stuff. They got paid. Though. Of course they did. Mm. But, but at the same time, a... then by that logic, you don't put directors' credits in for. No, no, no. They I got paid what, anyway. Right? I know what you mean. I, I think you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, if they if they'd left under a major cloud, and then you could imagine Lucas from saying, "No, there's no way they're getting their name on this project." But everything seems to be yeah. so amicable. Um, then everyone's been really friendly. <laughs> I mm. read out on the on the daily that I think it was last week. I read out a couple of um, comments. One from Kathy because she's adjust she's addressed it publicly, yeah. And one from um, Lord Miller, and they they commented on it back in November at an event, and it was all really just so kind and polite and everyone was thoughtful yeah. and polite and it, it just seems like that's missing maybe i spend too much time on the internet but it seems I get like the feeling she's i get the feeling she's nice you know yeah i do too um it just seemed like it was an unfortunate situation and there wasn't an easy way out of it It was a rough way out mm. for everybody for sure um but yeah i can imagine 
uh, it would probably be nice to sort of have a special thanks to um, yeah. Lord Miller at the end. Uh, they're not obligated to do it. Um, no. But it, there might be a nice sort of nod in their direction. Yeah. It would certainly exactly. send a message, wouldn't it? Yeah. We would say, if nothing else, it would say we, you know, your time wasn't kind of mm. unappreciated. Which is the tone of Lord Miller's statement in November, that they they yeah. valued their time on there. They learnt a lot, and mm. uh, and it was just insurmountable. And I think that's incredibly rare these days. That you sort of get that amicable. Mm-hmm. Um, this situation play out so amicably. It's, it's admirable. I I really like it. I think the the gist of it, I guess, is that they didn't want to leave and Lucasfilm didn't want them to leave, but it's just they couldn't get past an, an impasse. Yeah, that was it. And it just ended up that the relationship was dissolved because yeah. there was no way forward. Hmm. Hmm. It's unfortunate. Uh, well, something that was revealed yesterday by Ron on his uh, Twitter stream, which is where most of all the juicy bits come from for Solo, was that John Favreau is going to be voicing an important alien character in Solo, a Star Wars story. No, an important character. Yes. Okay. I was <laughs> I was moving I was moving past the spell check. But he glosses. He glosses. But thankfully, Paul is on the case. It's still yet to uh, trump Plappertine, which is probably my favourite. <laughs> Should have been Ploppy Teen. <laughs> my favourite. My favourite type in our... Uh, Favreau, huh? Yeah. He's so money, baby. Yeah. He doesn't even know it. Mm. This is where Marvel starts to crack its way into the Star Wars universe. Well, this this should really say a return to Star Wars for Favreau, because he was... Uh, was it pre He His character in Clone Wars? Oh, um, I don't remember, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's... Um, I think... Are you able to... Just look that up. Yeah, sure. I think it's John. I think John Favreau voiced Pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars animated series, so he's no stranger. And if you watch closely in um, Iron Man Two, when they're in Monaco, um, yeah. Iron, Iron Man or Tony Stark's, I think it's a Bentley. Oh, I might mm-hmm. be wrong. Might be a roller. Um, has got uh, an Astromech droid designation number plate. Oh, okay. It's an R5 is that yeah? It's You're right. Pre Vizsla, yeah. Yeah. So a uh, Mandalorian, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah. So he, um, John Favreau, is returning the voice, the characters, and I think that's really kind of, uh, really kind of sweet. And he is part of the Disney family, so it's not a huge stretch. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I, I wonder who he could be. Jabba the Hutt. And that's not a comment on his size either. I mean, he's all man. He's all. He's just a big man, right? Um, <laughs> But I think that's kind of kind of a cool thought that he might be voicing something like that, or is it going to be a throwaway like Joe Gordon-Levitt's character in Last Jedi? Yeah, I mean, he's in, Joe Gordon-Levitt's character is important to the story, but not Integral. vital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's it's an important piece of the narrative, but it's not the it's, he's not an essential part of the of the plot. It's probably going so to fit might into have something that similar. Yeah, it's yeah, probably going to fit into that. I would think. Mm. Yeah, it's cool though. It's nice to see Favreau cool. involved. He's, he, I'd like to see him direct a Star Wars movie at some point. Yeah. Well, then, you know, that's precisely what we need, another white dude directing a Star Wars movie. I'll stop it. Paul, do you... Uh, oh, sorry, I knew that would push your buttons. Paul, do you, are you a fan of Favreau's? Uh, neither one way or the other, to be honest. Um, I'm grateful for what he gave us with Iron Man, to be honest. But am I on mute? No. No, you're uh, not. No, you're on mute. You're not. But, just uh, no, uh, 
he was good in Friends briefly. <laughs> that's right. He was in oh Friends, yeah. Wasn't he? And if any, if anyone's camera, ever, yeah. if everyone's ever seen, I think it's called Very Nasty Things. Christian Slater. Oh, uh, very bad. Bad things. Very yeah, bad that's things, one, that's one of the that's one of the most horrific movies ever made. To be honest, <laughs> but, uh, the whole gang are in there. I think that's Vince Vaughn. I think it's Slater, Favreau, and a whole bunch of them. It's almost like they had a weekend making a film, but yeah, it's a dark, oh, that it's a dark one. I recognise yeah, the poster. I recognise the poster. The, the, the ending is the ending is horrific. Yeah, I think yeah. Daniel Stern's in it, maybe possibly as well. I can't remember. Uh... Can't remember. It's a while looks ago. Like, hang on, let me check because it looks it, like it could also be John C. McGinley. Um, that's not. No, it's not. It's, it's, might be right. No. Oh. Anyway, uh, Favreau. Yeah, he. You know. Yeah, he, he cuts the mustard. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go and see a film because he's in it or he's directed it. I'm just. Uh, that said, Elf. he was the he was the type he was the taste when Iron Man came out. Everybody was waiting for the next Favreau speech moment yeah. and so on. So, yeah, he can cut the mustard. Yes, he certainly can. I'm, I'm a fan, and I'm glad it's he's also, involved. Yeah, also, when he's did he do Jumanji? He did Zathura, whatever Zathura. Uh, Zathura, he did. Um, yeah, yeah. An elf, and mm-hmm. I think he did Elf first, and then yeah, Zathura. Yeah, yeah. Um, that sounds. And he's just oh, done know, Jungle Book, and he's working on live action Lion King now. So it's um, yeah. Jungle Book was quite spectacular, actually. It really was fantastic. Mm. So he is. He's at the cutting edge now. I think. As a filmmaker, yeah. and maybe he's not getting the uh, maybe he's not getting the credit he really deserves for what he's doing. I think he's quite choosy with his work, though, isn't he? Yeah, but these projects that he's involved with take such a long time mm. to sort of develop and, and piece together because you know, not you can't just um, pump out a Jungle Book every year, can you? They're huge undertakings. It takes a lot of time to draw. You know, he's like he's. Um, I think he's pump out live. There's a lot of flick. He's our, next, he's our next yeah. Jim Cameron. Now, somewhere Steve's ears are burning. Uh, John Favreau is our next Jim Cameron. There you go. I've said it. It's said. I yeah. Ain't, oh, I, ain't, I ain't taking it back. Paul, I looked it up. It was um, Daniel Stern. You're right. I'm Not, clever, uh, Trevor. Oh, say, from looking, at, looking at the picture I saw, it would look like it could also be John C. McGinley, but I looked at the actual poster and it's um, it's Stern. Daniel Stern. Mm. I like Daniel yeah. Stern. He's great. Yeah, he's good fun. All right, let's move on from the solo Star Wars story news to a couple of bits on episode nine. So JJ was also, uh, he well, he appeared in a video at D23 in Japan and announced that Star Wars episode nine would start shooting this summer. No exact release date was revealed, but he says he's hard at work writing the script for the last episode. Um, the market, the, is it a senior president for marketing? Um, Ricky Strauss, I think his name is. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, Ricky Strauss, he came out and made this announcement. They played this video from JJ. So it's this summer the movie goes into production. Um, excited, chaps? Do yeah. You, do you think it's reasonable to expect that all this talk about films going into production in Ireland early next year is actually episode nine and not George Lucas directing an Obi Wan film? Because that was a thing this week. That was a yeah, thing this week. Yeah, I yeah, know. I'm more inclined to think it's episode nine. And I think, mm. you know, I also think it's weird to assume that George Lucas can't just go somewhere because he wants to. Yeah. <laughs> he has to there has to be some deeper meaning to it. He can't just go there because it's a filmmaking thing and he's a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. George George Lucas in the Canary Islands, in Lanzarote, 
playing with a foam gun, but he's definitely planning the next. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, he's just blocking out a shot. That's all it is for the Boba Fett <laughs> yeah. movie. He's um, he's if you look, he's on that deck chair in a way that suggests uh, auteur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's actually he's he's ruminating over what it's like to be a gunner in the Clone I'm, Wars. Uh, I'm still addressing concerns with the director. I'm sorry. With JJ? Yeah. About whether or not he can go dark. Whether he can cut the mustard. Period. Hmm. Well, the next the next news item might throw a little light or lack I've of light. I've just seen that. Mm. That is very interesting. This is interesting. So this is what this is one of JJ's first, or maybe not first, but a significant hire. This is a gentleman named Paul Inglis, who was the um, who was the production designer on Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Is excuse me, the art director on uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, as well as Skyfall. And uh, he's got quite a CV. This guy. The the filmography is certainly impressive. Children of Men. There's a very dark tone. I'm wondering whether or not um, Paul's filmography is hinting at the tone that JJ's aiming for with episode nine, because this certainly seems to be a little bit um, more, um, it's a, a little heavier than the tone of The Force Awakens. So what, what's your take on that? Do you think we can read anything into this? Well, it doesn't change the writing or the direction. It just is a mark of the type of art direction that will be used along the requirement of the <laughs> writing you, and art direction. So, you, Do you not think that, that that's a good sign, though, that J.J. is writing... It, J.J. has this... Is he writing to a tone? Visual, possibly? and he's writing to that, yeah? Mm. Yeah. What do you reckon, Rob? Uh, I, I don't know that it's as cut and dry as... He's he's on board thus darker tone. I think it's also equally possible that he's I mean I'm just good. looking at a picture here. Yeah, exactly. It could just be down to talent, which it seems like it could re- very reasonably be. Yeah. Looking at some of the stuff I'm looking at here, um, you know, one shot that kind of is in the list of things and captures captures it for me is there's a picture of it's a I think it's the Blade Runner 2049 promo poster, and it's Ryan Gosling walking down a sand blasted. Oh, yes, road with sort of burned out cars and stuff the really orange mm. image yeah the mm. really orange image so it, and you if you imagine some of you know think back to return of the jedi you had these big desolate scapes on tatooine because you know jabba's palace was kind of surrounded by nothing yeah there's very good chance that he's just being brought in because he's good at portraying a particular mm. You know, it's not about a color palette. It's about a cinematic, big cinema, a cinematic big, big visuals. Mm. Yeah, it's about scape, um, scope, and um, landscape and stuff like that. Yeah. It, the, you know, I don't think it's as cut and dry as it has to be a darker tone because no, of that. No, that's yeah. very, very true. I mean, it, it, this guy's also attached to Game of Thrones. He was the art director on the Game of Thrones as well. That's quite um, varied and that, color palette for sure. And but what you're saying about huge visual, huge cinematic yeah. visuals that kind of lends itself to that and what i did mm-hmm. do was um believe it or not I, d- I know i'm hyperbolic sometimes but i did do my due diligence and i went back and i looked at the art director his name escapes me on the force awakens and looked at some of his other credits because i was thinking well that's kind of a brighter mm-hmm. film and it's the thing that kicked this trilogy off and then when yeah. i looked at his filmography there are things like some of the darker harry potters were in there so you know jj hired somebody for a movie that I would say arguably is probably going to have a lighter tone than Last Jedi and the film that follows it. But yeah. that, that art director on that project 
and still done some dark stuff like with the Potter movies and things like that. So it's not, mm-hmm. you're right. I'm taking a shortcut to a conclusion. I'm making the evidence fit my theory. Um, but I do like the idea that this is an indication of some of the some of the tonality that we can expect from episode nine. But I think you're probably right, Paul, that this is more than likely, A, this guy's great, and B, we want this to look like every penny's on screen. And that's what this guy does, especially with something like Game of Thrones pours every single penny up on that screen so maybe that's what he's doing maybe that's what this Paul English hire is all about but it don't hurt to speculate though does it it's half the fun yeah for sure all right let's talk about we're going to stick with JJ and episode nine for a second um Andy Serkis I, I forget where this was this week I didn't I didn't make a note in here I've covered it on the daily but it might have been comicbook.com. Andy Serkis was talking about... Oh, no, a Slash film, I think. Andy Serkis was, was talking about Snoke and how, mm. even though he agreed that it was necessary to dispatch Snoke for the story in Last Jedi, he would be open to return as the character in a standalone film. He said standalone film, but I'll quickly throw that to one side because um, I think it was Chris Evangelista at Slash film was asking the questions and said, what about returning for episode nine? And Andy addressed that he hadn't yet spoken to J.J. Abrams but about returning, but wasn't going to rule it out. Do you think there's a chance that Andy Serkis could return to episode nine and or Snoke? I think you're more likely to get an Andy Serkis than Snoke. Mm-hmm. He might do motion capture for a creature. He might do voice work somewhere. I think if you start, just throwing him in because you can with Snoke, I think that runs the risk of undoing a lot of the good work they've done in canon. Yep. Good point. Well, of, you know, Jedi and Jedi and Sith and, you know, light side and dark side force users being able to do certain things and not being able to do other things and the trade-offs you make. And if you, if it gets to the point where, Oh no, you know, it turns out some dark force users can turn up in force visions. Like, no, sorry. It's like part of the whole thing is it's it's about this embracing of the that there's life beyond the physical form, whereas the yeah. dark users never have that kind of they they can't get on board with that they can't countenance that no because they're too attached to the physic their physicality aren't they to let themselves yeah. go and become one with the spiritual uh Paul. You'll see Snoke in the next film regardless because you'll see him in flashback sequences. You may see as much as 10 minutes of him. Yeah. Flashbacks, flashbacks yeah. Would probably would work, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll see Snoke for sure. These, these, were my, yeah. um, these were my follow-ups, yeah. <clears throat> if Andy was to return a Snoke, there's an argument to be made that, yeah, there could be a story to be told that qualifies as his backstory in some flashback form or a false vision. Um, which would be fantastic. But I did also entertain very briefly the thought that um, because he isn't a Sith that we know of, um, there's still people out there saying Snoke is Plagueis, but if because he isn't a, a Sith, he could transcend the physical form and become a ghost. And that's only fun when you think of how much trouble that would spell for Kylo Ren, <laughs> because he would be in it deep, wouldn't he? It, especially if, as a Force ghost, Snoke would have control of lightning like Yoda. I mean, Kylo would be snookered then, wouldn't he? Proper, proper snookered. But I think, yeah, I think, Rob, the point you made at the top is way more compelling that Andy might return in some capacity to Star Wars, uh, not necessarily a Snoke, 
but as another mocap character character or as part of the crew that brings a motion capture performance capture character to life for another actor because of course he's deep in there isn't he with the imaginarium and things like that he's he's deep into that tech side of things yeah so that might be interesting he would always be welcome i love andy circus i think he's fantastic oh he's brilliant all right one last thing then and then we'll wrap up for the night this is last jedi related um, March 14th could well be the date that we'll get the iTunes version of the movie, digital download. Um, this was revealed in the New Zealand store, I think. Star Wars News Network covered this earlier this week, that yeah. the iTunes store in New Zealand accidentally revealed March 14 as the release date, which puts it around about two weeks ahead of the Blu-ray, which is quite a large margin. Um, Rogue One came out five days on digital download before the Blu-ray. So two weeks is a big jump. But that means that we're less than a month away from getting this film at home, which I think is pretty cool. Will you be picking this up digitally, gents? No, I'm not on iTunes. No? Well, what about <laughs> another uh, another service like Amazon? Or- uh, I will probably be picking this movie up because it's my favourite in a long time. Yeah. Rob, will you bother with this one? I will. Um, it's not or... my favourite. Not my favourite in a long time, but I am a completist, and it's nice to have the the whole convenience of being able to watch them on the go and stuff. It's always nice. Yeah, I was kind of torn on this one between. I mean, clearly, I'm going to buy it, but I I use both iTunes, but I have all six of the original two trilogies in yes. Amazon. And I didn't mm-hmm. know whether or not I didn't know which way to go with this one. I ended up pre-ordering the iTunes um, because mm-hmm. it's it will sit alongside the uh, Rogue One and the Force Awakens. But I will also buy a physical version of this. I don't buy Blu-rays anymore. I haven't done for years, but I, I, I do buy the Star Wars movies. So I might pick this up in uh, 3D or 4K and get some sort of variation of it, just sort of to be future-friendly. I think with a 4K one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm quite thrilled. And what I did to mark the occasion as well is I rebuilt the the movies page of Star of uh, StarWars.co.uk. So now there's a plen- there's plenty of options in there for you to pre-order the movie if it's only mm-hmm. less than a month away. That's a consideration. So if you head to the homepage and, and find Star Wars movies, there's there's buy Star Wars movies in there as a link. Click through that and you'll find everything there at your disposal. Um. Yeah, this, do you, Rob, do you still buy physical media? Yeah, here and there. I mean, I bought Rogue One and uh, Force Awakens on Blu-ray, and I went for the, I like when they do the sort of the slight variant covers and things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even if it's just the sleeves, they're quite fun. Yeah, I got so that I have, lovely you know. black uh, black and blue Force Awakens one that came out. Mm-hmm. Did you get that one? It's um, got like a flocked, almost like a rubberized no, box. No, I have odd. the... I have the dark side edition of um, Force Awakens from Amazon, I think. Right. Um, and it's just a sort of black case with, and down the spine, it's got red lightsaber sort of effect. Oh, okay, cool. And that's pretty cool. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, to be honest, I'm not buying a lot of movies generally at the moment, to be honest, like, really. If I look at it kind of, what I tend to do more often than not is look at the, um, the sales yeah. in things like the iTunes stores and the Amazon stores and the Play yes, stores yeah. and stuff. 
Yeah, I tend to that. look at the sort of the deals of the week and have a look to see if there's anything I fancy out of that. And if it's sort of, you know, I tend to buy most of my movies for under a fiver now. It's just the way I've, you know, I'm trying to build up a small digital library, but I'm also trying to do it on the cheap because I'm a tightwad. And I've also... It's very easy got, to do it now. Yeah, and also I've got a lot of these movies on Blu-ray and haven't had a chance to watch them because either they're inaccessible or I'm lazy. Um, or both. Sometimes it's both. Um, so the idea of having a digital library is quite appealing, but at the same time, because I have these movies on a physical media already in some cases, it has to be a really appealing price point to get past that compulsion, to yeah. get past that, uh, that hang up rather. Yeah. I like the convenience. I, I was having this conversation with a colleague the other day. I'm, I'm more about the convenience than the quality or the perceived quality these days. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I'll, I'll have all the Star Wars movies on my iPad. They're all on there. Yeah. And I'll get much, and there's even a couple of episodes of Clone Wars on there as well that I picked up in the Amazon store. Um, yeah. And I'd, I'd, I'll have those and I'll watch those more readily than I will grab a Blu-ray and, and load it into the... It's a, it's a faff. It sounds, like, it sounds weird to say, but it is it is a faff. Yeah. To it's, do that. It's you know, too easy. In the, in, it's too easy it's, to do yeah, it the other way, too, isn't it? It's too easy to just power on the, you know, in my case, the Xbox One, switch the apple tv on because i run it through the hdmi in mm-hmm. um and just ru- and just watch something off the digital library or even now sometimes i don't even have to have my own stuff because i have an amazon prime account so i get prime video yeah, yeah. and yeah i can just load up a an app on my device on my phone or tablet or whatever and just watch something for 20 minutes just keep me occupied or watch a film or whatever there's two it's so many cho- so much choice now and even to the point where I watch movies on Amazon that I have in the other room, but I just, you know, because I can do it without going next door. Yeah. And it, like these first world problems we've got. Eh? Yeah, for sure. It is. I, like, I do enjoy the convenience of these, of these things. Mm. So 14th of March, put that date in your diary. We'll keep an eye on it. The, um, the iTunes store in the UK will undoubtedly it will update very, very shortly with the exact release date. Um, so we know what we're looking forward to, and then, uh, and then, yes, that day I'll be booking off work and spending it watching all of these wonderful special features. I'm sure. Right, are we good to wrap up for the evening, then, chaps. Yeah, I think so. All right, let's do it. Thank you very much for joining us again for Talk Star Wars this week. Uh, don't forget, you can support what we do by becoming a member of our Talk Star Wars community over on Patreon. Uh, Patreon. Head to patreon.com forward slash Talk Star Wars and become a patron there. Um, and you can also help us out by leaving a five-star review in iTunes and then take advantage of that Ron Burgundy guarantee. Whatever you write in a five-star review, we'll read as long as it's clean. So if you want to promote something, like your blog or your podcast, that's the place to do it. Uh, you can email us your questions and comments for next week. And don't worry, if you didn't hear your email on this week's show, I've rolled a couple over to next week um, just because we're already, we've hit two hours, so we would have been here for the rest of the night um yeah but you can add your email to uh, your question to us uh by sending it to talkstarwarsinfo at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on the social networks at twitter facebook youtube instagram uh, tumblr and more um and with that said gentlemen where can people find you between shows uh a couple of bits mark here uh People will find me, obviously, <clears throat> well, not obviously, but people will find me on moviescornews.com. Uh, I just want to very quickly say, if you don't mind while I address that, uh, we had some rather sad news this week, the passing of Johan Johansson, 
Oh yes. Uh, I oh, just yeah. want to. I just wanted to quietly uh, and you know, with some dignity, hopefully acknowledge that. Um, from my part, I, I had a really very strange, miserable afternoon after reading the news actually midweek, and I had him on loop for about three or four hours in the afternoon. So terribly sad news to pick up on that uh, please rest peacefully sir and i just want to thank him for the gift of notes and all the music and stuff he gave us it's he's totally irreplaceable he was very yeah, young wasn't go. he very young younger than me yeah he's very young indeed and i don't know if we've had a cause yet but at the moment you know the losses obviously far outweighs what happened <clears throat> if for want of a better term i can't really word it quite as I want to say, but yeah, so rest peacefully, Johan. Sadly, sadly missed. Well said. Thank very, you. Very sad. That was I saw your uh, that your tweet that day and I know how much uh, you admired his work. It was very very sad indeed. Rob. Yeah. Uh so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rob Wade Vision and everything I do that's not talk Star Wars shaped at emotionally14.com. Wonderful. Uh, you can find everything I do at talkstarwars.co.uk and I'm at talkstarwars on Twitter. And uh, don't forget to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com. It's our brand new site, all fully, all fully rebuilt um, for the next stage. Uh, and you can check out all the shows that are over there, including our, our latest um, member, Tatooine Sons. You heard from David earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great site. There's lots of fantastic uh, stuff over there. Pages dedicated to every show. So you can literally lose a day sitting on that site just playing the latest episode from every Commonwealth show in the player, which we hope, of course, you will do. So, yeah, that's StarWarsCommonwealth.com. Head over there and check that out. Um, You download the show notes and you'll get contact details for each of us, an email link and a bunch of other links in there as well. Um, And that's it for us until next week. Thanks once again for joining us and have a good week, everybody. Take super care. May the force be with you. Talk Star Wars is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Find us at StarWarsCommonwealth.com alongside the Tumbling Saber Podcast, the Generation X-Wing Podcast, Rogue Squadron Podcast, the TSW Roundtable, the Skyhoppers Podcast, the Nerdroom Podcast, and San Diego Sabres Radio Podcast. Head to StarWarsCommonwealth.com take your first steps to a larger world. It's a wrap. It's a wrap.